Albuquerque's macro aggression, Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. I'm Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk on AM 1600, KIVA, rockoftalk.com, 550-5500, right here in the Kiva. We have a very special guest here for Hour One, in addition to our beloved Dowda 3000, who joins us from across the hall, as we say, uh, here in the Kiva. He is across the way, and you guys are all subscribed. Rockoftalk.chat, he's uh, tap, tap, tapping away, and I love it, and I don't care if you don't. We've got uh, Rudy Grande, who's here. So he's been going through a lot of stuff lately, and I thought I'd uh, bring him in to go ahead and kick off the show before we get off to the uh, actual show. You know, as you know, or may or may not know, uh, for those of you, uh, I have Rudy uh, handle all the advertising for the radio station exclusively. So that's what he does, and uh, it keeps him busy. I think I have, uh, what, about 70% of the leads that I've, you know, sent to him as part of his business, his book of business here on the radio station. That's pretty exciting. I, I got to say, I really love having Rudy here. And he it's joined. incredibly generous. Well, I don't think it's generous. I think you do a great job and you run some good ads and people love your stuff. Like you, you've got some good people on. You got Sunny Side Up. God, I love Jessica and uh, her partner there. Uh, you know, they're just really good people and they make really good breakfast. Yeah. How's that breakfast? I love their, uh, it's the, the sort of like this uh, American extraordinaire breakfast. They've got the freshest ingredients. It's That's it. at the corner of Maine and Maine, right down the street from my kid's school. You know, I can just go there and do it. And, and it's the happiest commercial on our air. Well, you know what? How, how do you keep that? De- how do you, I know that the name itself is really happy. Sunny, sign up. I was like, I'm ready to go eat anything that you talk. Yeah, and well, see, that's what Brit, uh, Brittany and uh, Jessica are all about. It's always got to be fresh ingredients, and that's why I love, like, that pineapple waffle that they've got. Yeah. And I got to tell you, you know, uh, they just treat everybody like a million bucks when you go in there. Yeah. You can be there for the first time, or you can be one of their regulars. You're going to get a great breakfast. But on top of that, yes. they're always going to come out and talk with you. Yeah, they're, they're, they're busy. The room they're like, uh, just uh, very chatty, chit chatty. But they're fun. They're you know, they do they're tic- just fun people. Do they do TikToky and uh, Instagram-y no, and no. Facebooky? Jessica's kind of big on the Facebook. She thinks oh, yeah. Facebook <laughs> is a, is a good thing, but okay. the TikTok and that other stuff. Yeah. No, no. I'm 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 starting to like. I just put out TikTok once, and all of a sudden, I got like five followers, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. So. I still don't understand TikTok. But. I don't understand it either. That's why I haven't posted anything yet, but I'm going to. Rock Talk on TikTok. Oh, rock no, talk, that works. Yeah. What do you, like? you like that, huh? I do. TikTok, Rock Talk. What do you like that? See, you are a marketer down deep. Well, uh, you know, to sell is human, right? Exactly. To air is human as well. <laughs> uh, I'm always, ABC, always be closing. That's the, uh, hey, when's the last time you talked to Dow? It's been a long time, but Dow, you're one of the reasons that I'm here today. What your mom on, on what you said? Your mom said, uh, "What was it last week?" I was just, I was floored and what? really. What did I say? <laughs> wow. Yeah. What 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 did you say, Dad? Or what do you What, what I, do you remember him saying, Rudy? Well, he said that his mom was asking about me. She just wanted to make sure that I was okay. And I thought, wow, that is just really neat. Uh, my mother is the biggest uh, Rudy Grande fan in the fan in the entire state of Connecticut. But Rudy, I, I, I just I will take this opportunity. Uh, Rudy, I've been meaning to shoot you an email for the last couple of weeks, and I, I apologize. I've been 
Uh, everybody always complains about how busy they were. Th- this is my this is my today list. Fauci has Rona, uh, seventy five basis points uh, as the economy falls apart. My alma mater is no longer the Colonials. Yesterday's Nevada primary results. Uh, my brilliant piece on transit that just went up at rockoftalk.chat. He's busy. Uh, so- it's a week away from my second anniversary in the Kiva. That's just a what? typical day for me. No, so I mean, Rudy, I really, I, I apologize. Uh, I've been meaning to shoot you. I, I know how much your 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 old your old your old fellow there meant to you, and uh, you know, I come from a big Catholic family too. Maybe not a typical New Mexico Catholic family, but a typical New England Catholic family. And uh, just my condolences. And I know everything you did for your folks by coming back uh, from the big the big city in L.A., uh, what that must have meant to them. So uh, I apologize, my friend, but I will be in touch soon. I totally appreciate that. And we should do dinner one of these days. I never see you at Smith's anymore. What's the deal? <laughs> I know. My schedule is a little different. Yeah, we used to run into each other all the time. I think, really, a big part of it is I'm on one meal a day now, so I don't buy as many groceries as I used to. So healthy, healthy. You know what, though? Dowdy, you can't see him right now, but he's looking uh, very I, – I need to turn this camera. Let me turn it around so you guys – nobody interested in me anymore. Who cares about Eddie? Uh, certainly. But Eddie well, looks amazingly great. I am uh, at 245, buddy. That is just that uh, is stunning to me. That took it off and is keeping uh, it off. More importantly, yeah, yeah. I um, there it is. I'm at 245. I'll be down at 225. There it is. There's Rudy. Rudy can see. Well, Rudy can't see Dowd, but Dowd can definitely. I, 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 I wave to my mother, Rudy. <laughs> yeah, and I always, you know what? The thing is, I see Dowd on the uh, on the TV version of the Rock. Oh yeah, did yeah. you watch that? Yep. I, th- I see that more and more people are watching that. You know, yeah, yeah. I know that some of our haters, you know, the lady that said she will never listen to me again, and she's listening right now as we speak, and will forever listen for the rest of her life based upon, like, I devoted an hour and ten minutes of attention to her yesterday on Donald Trump's birthday. Wow. Yeah, I, you know, I do that. I do that for people. Well, here's I like to give of- people lots of love, lots of attention. Uh, I did an hour and uh, 55 minutes, apparently with no show prep. Because I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, I don't know if you know this. I like, I don't pay attention. I don't read. Oh, this just sounds like a hodgepodge of uh, information. You know, meanwhile, uh, the world's going to hell very quickly. And, uh, you know, apparently I'm not doing any show prepped out. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, never. Yeah. That's what well, people really, they need to recognize that sometimes we're listening when we're driving. That's when yeah. I catch. I always catch you every day. There's not a day that I miss. Yeah, I know that. Some point, you know, in the four o'clock hour, I, I'm getting in the car from an appointment or something. And then it's like, okay, now I get to go home. And sometime tonight, I'm going to flip on the TV to watch it because it gives you just a new perspective on what you heard. Because now you're watching A lot of them. thinking here. It was great. Maybe I should just do drill downs on, hey, man, we got to meet this. You know, we're not going to do that. Uh, Rudy. There's a reason why you might be able to catch me a little bit more, and it's not the best news for you. Uh, so I wanted, you know, we're going to have Murder Mike here tomorrow. We're going to sort of reconvene after a little bit of a break. I heard him the other day, too. Yeah, yeah he sounds, he doesn't sound bad, huh? I felt really good to hear him because I thought, like you, that he, he was dead. I did. Yeah, Murder Mike, you thought Murder murder, murder was the name that, he gave, that, that, that we gave him, and then he went away. But that did not happen. So there he is. But, uh, and he you, doesn't live in the hood anymore. You know, the last time your dad was here, him and I um, really connected. Connected, you very, did. He was very happy. That is my dad. Yeah, my dad like had a, a smile for a lot everybody. A lot of energy. Yeah. And um, he, he, you know, he recently just lost him. Not to COVID, by the way. No, not at all. Your In family fact, thought that they were going to lose him to COVID. Yeah, there was a big, uh, 
you know, tussle, if you will, a yep. tug of war. Yeah, you know, Rudy, you're not doing enough for dad. And then, you know, uh, yeah, I want you to describe the experience. Tell, tell people about the day. You know, you can include me in that if you feel like. I know that you and I were. That, was a, that was a really good day. And I'm not just saying this because I'm on your yeah. station. I remember. This um, is the most important person in your life, your dad, period. And uh, take time. Well, especially since I lost my mom 12 years ago. Yeah. Because my mom and I were really, really close. Yeah. But so here we are. And you love her as much as Donna Summer, huh? A little bit more. Wow. <laughs> not much. Just not much. You love Donna. You love the Donna Summer. I love Donna. <laughs> Donna Street. Oh, Donna. The day was really normal. And I think I told you this story and you gave me quick advice and I called my priest right away because yeah. I was in a real bad place. It was just a normal Monday. It was the 23rd. It was a great day. Dad comes, and he starts doing his, his regular thing. He's emptying all the little garbage cans from around the house. And I said, Dad, I've told he you not loved, to do uh, that. It's always great to be the, the dustman of the, the place. You know? He always felt like he needed to do something. Yeah, there you go. But in my Taking mind, I'm the saying. the trash is great. But in my mind, I'm thinking he could, it, he could trip. He could get hurt. This is not good. And so I, I was not mean with him, but I was like, Dad, I, I've told you I don't want you to do that. But I was so busy that I couldn't really stop him and go do it for him. Yeah. Um, and so he went about his thing. Then the uh, housekeeper comes, the one that took care of his house. Uh, I live with my dad, uh, me and my younger brother. My younger brother takes care of him to the day. I took care of him in the morning and at night. And uh, so uh, later that day, the phone rings, and it's uh, uh, the, the housekeeper's there, and he's helping her make his bed and I'm sitting there saying, Dad, <laughs> this is why she comes. Let her do do her thing. And, you know, he again just said, no, but I need to show her how my dad was just always helpful and always felt like if he wasn't participating and doing something that he wasn't part of the house. And I'm thinking, Dad, it's your house. You know, there are some things you just can't do. And so then the phone rings and it's uh, the VA hospital. He has a new primary. And so the primary is saying, would you like to meet me in person on this date? Or would you like me to meet you on the phone on this date? And my dad comes and I am swamped. I'm on the phone and my dad, whenever he'd see me on the phone, it'd just be Rudy, put the phone down and I, I need to talk to you. And I was just so frustrated because it was a very busy morning. And he said, the doctor wants to you know everything I just explained. Meet with her in person or meet with her on the phone. I said, Dad, this is a real simple, just like this, I said to Dad, this is a real simple decision. First time with a primary, guess what? I think we should be with her. And he says, will you be there with me? And I said, Dad, have I ever missed any meeting that you had at the vet? Name one that I have missed. And, you know, he kind of, you know, shrugged his shoulders and he gave me that little smile and he went off and he finished his stuff. An hour later, so that was that was that right there was my last experience with my dad, and I was feeling bad when I found that he had died because it was about an hour later that I hear this yelping, and I I was on the phone with the client and said I gotta go that's my dad and I just threw the phone down and I started running down the hall and I'm screaming for my younger brother I said Dad's in trouble, I couldn't see my brother anywhere it's because it was my brother that was yelping. He was really tied at the hip with my dad, and he was holding my dad. And I looked, and I was trying to help my brother. I was trying to console him, but there was no consoling Dave at that point. He was completely overwhelmed, and he was trying to bring dad back to life, and there was no way. I, I, 
I could tell that my, my dad had passed. It was just that. So we got all of that fixed. And I think there are two things I want to relate here that I think are really important. Um, the paramedics come, right? I call my older brother. My older brother says, I want you to put down the phone right now, call the paramedics, get them there, and then call me once everything's starting to move in place. Yeah, you called me right away. I did. I called you right. I called my brother, then I called you. Because I just needed to say, all right, this right, I'm going to be out for a little bit here. Because I already knew that we were, I was in a bind. I was going to be in a bind for the next several days because I knew that we had to do family stuff and all of that. <clears throat> so anyways, uh, you know, we called. But this is the one story. I, I just, I love telling this story. The paramedics come, right? These four big guys, you know, really big from the fire department. And two of them went in where my dad was and immediately walked out. And the two with the tablets stayed and they're starting to do their thing, right? They've got to enter vitals and stuff like that. He had none. He was gone. Yeah. All right. So we all put him into the bed, into the bed that he had just made with this house cleaning lady. Yeah. There's another thing that was great. We're glad that she came, she came an hour and a half early that day. We're glad because that was her first day there. So that's why my dad felt compelled to help her with the bed. But she was one of those, I met her, and I knew that if she would have been there while my dad died, she would have totally lost it. She would have freaked out. She okay. would have, she would have, it would not have been good. So that was another act of God in the morning. Anyways, my, we put my dad in the bed, and the dog is really, our little beagle is just really antsy. He's so cute. Really. I love your dog. Oh. Your dog She's is the amazing. best. I just, I love that dog. I, I want to pick it up every single time I see it. And, and, and it's not a small dog. No, not. It's a 50 pound beagle. Big beagle. <laughs> Big uh, beagle. There you go. So the paramedics said right away, can you get the dog out of here? So my, um, my niece's, my, my brother's daughter was there. I'm sorry, her husband was there because he got there. I mean, lickety splits. Like, mm -hmm. where were you, Charlie? So he was right there, and he was ready to help, and he was great. And so Charlie, so the dog's just not going to get out of the room. We're trying to get the dog out because that's what the paramedics asked for. And then Charlie bent over to pick her up, and she wasn't going to have it. She started baring her teeth at him. I said, hang on, Charlie, I'll take care of it. And I just knew right away. I said, I'm not going to get the dog out of here. <clears throat> the worst that these guys can say is, I told you to get the dog out, and I'd say in just a minute. And I said, Allie, come here. And I had her jump up on the bed. And she did. And she went and sniffed my dad and knew that there was nothing there anymore. And when he died, he died with his mouth wide open, which means, and this came to fact, as we see the death certificate now, he had a heart attack. Yeah. All right. And so he had it. One minute he's breathing here on earth. The next minute he's breathing in heaven. He's, it was no pain. And so the dog breathed. And then the dog went and put her nose in his mouth. Yeah. That was so moving for me. Yeah. That was just in a, as you can tell, I'm starting to yeah. blubber up here. That was the most meaningful thing to me because the dog was acknowledging yeah. what she already knew. But that's her way of communicating. That was right. her way. Because my dad and that dog, my dad kissed her every night before yeah. I went to bed. Yeah. And so that's all she was doing. Yeah. You know, it was just a great thing. And so that was what that day was about. And, and there's such a, a closeness. There's such a sort of this, uh, you know, passionate tenderness and this connection you know one of the great things about dogs is we know that they have a higher level of hearing and a higher level of smell i mean when they smell they smell something far beyond what we humans can smell and that level of connectivity that's yeah. right there uh not just acknowledging 
but um, for you validating. And I think for him, you know, knowing what it already knew before it even got there. But I think more than that, just realizing, you know, one of the things that we, uh, as we get older, um, and so many people, especially during COVID, and especially during this time where people have been distanced, uh, haven't been around the people who are closest to them and haven't been able to give them their warm embrace, that closeness, that kiss, you know, that, that, that rub of the yeah. cheek, that kiss on the forehead, that smell, you know, that's so incredibly important. And the dog was there uh, for all of that. I mean, that is what makes us human. That is what makes us real. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a gorgeous thing. It's beautiful. It's more than anything else. When you fall in love, I mean, really, what is it? What do you fall in love with? You fall in love with the person. Like, uh, you fall in love with all the things that just really go right into the memory. And that dog has it. And you have it as well. And she is unconditional about her love. Oh, sure. There is never, you is. can't ever get between the love she has for you. Purity of heart. That's exactly That's it. That's it. Yeah. But something else people need to know, because yeah. I did call you. Because you were, I knew that you, because every time that you called me, first thing out of your mouth always was, how's your dad? Yeah. You know, and I, I love that because I knew you cared. You knew that this was not just a thing for me. This was this was what my life centered around. Well, generally th- uh, generally speaking, it should probably be stated that, you know, from the first utterance, whatever it is, a sound, a peep, whatever, I already know. For I have a, a gift where I'm able to just clue in exactly to how you feel before you even tell me how you feel. And then I'll verify it with you, whether or not you're being forthright about what it is that you're feeling. So it's just one of those things that I have and I will ask you that because I know that that's what's important to you but I think more importantly for the for the two of us um, we we knew that we were connecting even though I didn't know and you didn't know we knew that we were connecting on something that was going to happen that day on that that particular day and um, I think you probably you know more than I um, already knew what was happening it was amazing without and, knowing it right yep knowing without knowing and because of the trust I have with you, I did exactly, I went right for, but Eddie, my last two experiences with my dad were bad. Mm-hmm. And you immediately said, no, they were everyday life. Mm-hmm. It was so comforting to hear that. It was because re- it, it was like getting a smack in the head and saying, wow, that's true. Yeah. Because that was going to happen whether he passed an hour and a half later or not. Exactly. It would have happened. And what would have happened was I would have been there that night cooking him dinner and apologizing to him for talking the way I did that day. That's exactly what would happen. That's the way we live. You you were a good boy right up until the very end. But um, But, so. But but senior, senior let junior go. Yeah, he did. And, you know, I know some people say, oh, Rudy, sometimes you over-spiritualize things. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I truly believe that I've caught in his spirit since he's passed. Yeah. And he's just, he's just helped me recognize you took care, now take care of you. That's right. That's exactly yeah. what I've heard my dad say to me. That's the baton, <laughs> the handing of the off on the relay that we all do. And you have it's why no- we have kids. It's why we live. It's why we continue on and why we have to look forward and, you know, progress and, uh, Rudy, he was letting you go that morning. There was no other way to look at this. That's he exactly right. To, he realized that he had done everything that he needed to do. He knew that you were going to be okay. And before he passed, you and I had a conversation. I told you, Rudy, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what that. you need to do going, going forward. And uh, you came back and you called me both before, within 30 minutes, and 30 minutes after your dad right. passed. And I told you exactly what he was doing. 
we do have control as to when we let go and he decided to let you go because he knew you had to live the rest of your life. And again, you know, um, the, the paramedics, when they said he probably had a heart attack, it gave me such belief because, and they explained, you know, the mouth is wide open. His eyes are wide open. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was one of those quick, sharp pains. And then he was gone. Yeah. I mean, he was just, just gone. Pierce. Yeah, heart attacks are like that. Uh, again, it's a tingle and a shot and a pierce and a weight and a sleep. So, Rudy, Rudy, let me let me tell you something. You, whatever you think about that day or the events leading up to that day or that last week, think about... There will be a day where I probably need to know what a heart attack feels like, but it will be everything that my grandfather told me yeah. uh, when in his living. But that just gave me total peace because my dad worked hard his whole life he worked hard literally till the day he died i mean just picking up the garbage you know and i wish that i wouldn't have been busy that morning so i could have gone and just said dad i told you not to do this even if i would have still been mean i would have told him and i'd have picked it up i just yeah. said no dad i'll get this and so i'm glad because he got to do what he wanted to do so that was part of it but the other part was that was just the way we communicated yeah. and we always fixed it before the day ended you know, anything that was, you know, off color at all, you know, we were always able to fix it. So, you know, it was a really meaningful day, but I will tell you this. Someone told me a long time ago, you know, cause I called you and then I called, um, you know, my best friend is Steve McKee. Steve lives right up the street from us. And Steve was so comforting so quickly. He was there when my mom died too. So Steve's been there for both of them. Steve told me several years ago because his mom, his dad died about 14 years ago, I believe. And his mom died about eight years ago. And he said that somebody told him and he said, I've come to realize there's a lot of truth in it. When both of your parents are gone, you are an adult orphan. And I never understood that. I, I mean, I can, I can put my head around it because I know what an orphan is and I know what an adult is, but it's like, like I, when you're an orphan and you're a little kid, that's just got to be scary as can be, because you you have no sense of what someone who takes care of you does. You know, you're shuffled around through foster care and all kinds of relatives and things like that. But now I'm really recognizing there is a lot of truth to that, and what it is is, and I know this sounds really dumb, but it is time to grow up. And I'm 65, but I feel like you know what. My dad taught me, my dad and mom taught me everything I needed to know. And I've got the rest. In fact, that was our very discussion. Steve and I had a couple of days after that. You know, we we got together and went for coffee. And I said, Steve, the thing I'm learning is that it is for what is the rest of my life about. It has nothing to do with what I've done. Okay, I I had a great time working in radio in Los Angeles. That was that was a blast. Have a great, t- great time here. <coughs> Excuse me, in Albuquerque. But what am I here for? It's not to have a great time in radio. If that gets to be the case, yay. But I've got other things I've got to finish. And so I need to get in touch with myself, my God, and go be about that. And so, again, it's not like, okay, so you have a new life in front of you. No, but yes, 
I've got things I've got to do and I've got to perform at. I look at my two nieces and they're and they're uh, and my grandnephews, the two little, the three little guys, the six, four, and three-year-old. And I have a whole new sense of what I need to do to help them not lose sight of what I got to see in my life in terms of how, and I'm not turning this into a political thing, but how great this country is. Mm-hmm. They don't know Why that. Why is that political? There's nothing wrong with uh, saying your country's great, by the way. Just so you know. Right, but again, I don't want my grandnephews to feel like I'm presenting a political viewpoint or anything. I'm just trying to, pr- I'm trying to show them, you know that, what? That tells me, that speaks volumes about, you know, the rest of your family. <laughs> and, but you know what, again, and I, I, know, I would never I deny know. it. I mean, I and I love them for that because that's the other thing. My younger brother and I have bonded in a way that I, I would have never expected. Eddie. Yeah, I know. Never. I mean, when I showed up at his place and he made sure to wear the t-shirt that he did, let me know that he was not a supporter of Donald Trump. Trump. Yeah. So it was uh, pretty hilarious. And that was that was just Dave, but you know, and, and Dave is still there and that's yeah. that's where he is. But we connect now in a way that we, yeah. we have meaningful discussions. This is something brand new to the whole puzzle. Yeah. And so I look at that and we have a, a, a neat large picture of my dad in the front room uh, that we had at a, a wake three days after he I'm sorry, one week after he passed, where people wrote just little Rudyisms, things that my dad always did. Like my dad answered, if you ask my dad a question, 100% of the time, not most of the time, but 100% of the time, he would say, you know what? And then he'd give you the answer. You know, it's like he really wanted you to engage. You know what? And then he'd give you his thought. And people started writing things up there that I had forgotten that my dad said. And it's just amazing how my dad impacted so many people. We put together a, a little memorial site, you know, for uh, when his funeral is. And uh, at the bottom of it, we, we put a, um, just a, a picture collage mm-hmm. and a really meaningful song that my older brother picked. And there's another thing. My older brother and I have gotten back to a place where we can communicate. Not that we never could communicate. We always could. But now we communicate like brothers. We're on a path to where we're communicating like brothers should. And a lot of politics got in the way. And we don't, and we already made a, a commitment to ourselves. No politics, no God. Okay, well, the God comes from within me, so I can pray for him all I want. But the politics, okay, so I don't get to talk to you about politics. Nothing would change because no matter what I tell my brother, it's not going to be correct. No matter what he tells me, it's not going to be correct to me. So we listen to and say, we now agree to, to disagree. So, so many things happened since that day. But then on top of it all, uh, last Tuesday night, uh, I get a call from my niece saying, you need to get to the house. Dad's in, in trouble. He needs to go to the emergency room right now. So the trauma continued for another week. My brother had a, a strangulated hernia. And so it was three weeks of utter pressure like I'd never known before. And now I totally know. I mean, that was a lot of pressure. I totally know that no matter what comes my way in the rest I'll be able to handle it. How do you feel today? Really good. You look good. I got to tell you, it was really fun because I knew I needed to come in today. But I love that you asked if I would stick around. Well, I think people deserve to hear about what you've gone through. They built a relationship with you. A lot of people think that, oh, well, you've gone and buddy dispensed with somebody else. I don't think anybody actually truly believes that. I 
mean, I build relationships with people for life. And, you know, on the very day that you lost your, your dad, you were the first and conversation, last conversation before he passed and the first conversation after, after he passed. passed. That's and right. I think it's important that uh, you and I understand that uh, helping you through that was helping you understand that Rudy Sr. decided to let you go. And just like my grandfather let us go, that he was okay. Like he let wife go. Very interesting story. I think I've told it to you before. Uh, my nana died on June 2nd, 2001. He let us have her funeral. She died for a burst aneurysm in front of her chest. He's such a gentleman, such a man. But we went through all that and the day after we buried her, then he decided to die. I did not know that. Yeah, the day after June 9th, 2000. Exactly one week. One week to the, to the day after we buried her. Eddie, that and, is powerful. You know, on their tombstone, it says, together in life, together in death. And some of the things that stood out to me about what you had, and, you know, you're a product of your parents, is your mom passed 12 years ago. And your dad passed a few weeks ago. And you chose to look at your parents as together, regardless of whether or not they were truly together, because they weren't together. No. And I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, there's so much love and understanding that I think that you as three boys knew amongst their parents. I think that it's just so, you know, um, tender and perfect and, of the things of the world and their misunderstandings and for whatever reason they decided to not be together they decided you guys ultimately decided for them to be together and, I think that that was and they were together for 56 years 50, 50. that is amazing and i'll never forget the day that my mom passed i was the one that went in and found her mm -hmm. and uh, my dad had gone down the hall to get something that i thought we needed in her care and when he came back, I watched my father. It was the only second time I saw him completely fall apart. Yeah. He, it was like what my brother did when my brother found my dad. Yeah. He just fell apart. And I, that, that very instant, that very instant, there was not a question in my mind. I said, I need to stay here until he passes. She died at 79? 76. 76. And that's about as far as I want to go. She would have been about 88. But I'm, you know, they're like, together now. Yeah, and I and I together really alive. Unfortunately, not together in death, but uh, I mean, there's so much meaning here, and you have a wonderful family, and uh, you know, you're a beautiful dude, and uh, I'm glad that I was able to be there uh, for that. How about we play a little bit of um, music for your dad, and I think for everybody who's lost their father, or their mother, somebody close to them during this time. Rudy, I appreciate you stepping in, sharing your story, telling us what's been going on. I'm glad that you're still doing it. And I think you're about as successful as you have ever been. And um, I think I shot you two more leads today. And if you want to advertise, you're welcome to go ahead and, and jump in with Rudy. You can give Rudy a call, 505-270-3887. Yep. 505-270-3887. 505-270-3887. Um, a lot of stuff going on in the world. Not, not all that's good right now. Been a bit of a somber week. Uh, we were anticipating the worst, and we got it today economically. I don't think people really understand like how bad it is. 
I want to thank uh, guys like Matt Monty at, uh, you know, selling cigars and uh, doing a good job over there at uh, 3636 San Mateo. True West Landscaping. They have a Rogers plumbing heat. ABQ Guns, Arnie Belinda over there. Uh, we have International Protective Service. Um, Aaron has been on for a very long time. Aaron's, uh, him and his team have been always first to the scene on everything. Precision Sharpening, Tracy Tuttle, good dude. Uh, Ravelco, you know, yeah. uh, preventing those cars from being stolen. Just uh, really, really good people. Andrew and Agatha, now their son's back. For a time, he's going to establish uh, Ravelco out in Idaho. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, they're getting it going out there. It's a good business, you know. One by one, keeping cars safe. Uh, Walt Arnold, our longest advertiser, been here for more than 10 years. Probably, you know, one of the best guys I know, period. Visual and Firearms, you have Keith and his crew educating people. Ben, over at Indigo. I mean, people have been going to mortgages for how long and how long have they known Ben in the business? Right. Ben has been part of KKOB, you know, part of our station. I mean, uh, he's going to go through some probably difficult times at this point, you know, given where mortgage rates are going. I think we're in the mid-sixes now for mortgage rates. Uh, Ben is the guy that you trust, guys. Um, Amazing Grace, your good friends over there, Tom and the crew, are doing a good job at uh, Amazing Grace, taking care of people. Uh, Axiom, Mario, keeping homes cool, right? That's oh, important. Yeah. How many times did your uh, dad complain about the air conditioning? It's too damn hot. <laughs> Why do you want to go to Phoenix, Rudy? Uh, Mike Ramos has had a few health scares this year, but he's keeping people's credit good. Interest rates are popping up, so... Get those credit cards paid off and uh, keep your credit where it needs to get. Because the credit card companies are absolutely scrambling uh, at this point. All the money where they borrow, they where do they get it? So they, they have to borrow it to lend it to you all the time on a recurring basis. Big deal. So get with Mike Ramos. Uh, we have uh, financial solutions. Michael Trujillo, good man. Annuities, don't outlive your money. Uh, Tigo and Tracy, the best, period. The end. I mean, Tigo and Tracy. Nobody, nobody does a better job. I, 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 there's, there's such good people. I literally have them on my screensaver. Tigo is I one see, of the friendliest guys. I see Tracy and Tigo, and I see their faces, and they make me smile. They make me smile. Just absolutely. Oh, Greg, you've been working with Greg Zanetti. Yeah, he's doing well. I love Greg. I think he. Greg's is, a good man. Yeah, smart man, good man. Yeah, and a man of his word. He really is. Wish you would have. Wish you would have been able to make it up. JJ, we got uh, Chris. Saw what he did the other day, right? No. Yeah, he had to take care of his own place. He had to go and clean out. Uh, you know, when when minutes count, the police uh, or when seconds count, police are police officers are minutes away. You know, if not ten minutes or more. Um, yeah, he had to handle everything, and he's a stand-up guy. So JJ's premier tire, well located at their North. Lutheran Hour, oh, Mark Menacucci saved my business, basically replacing the board, and then now you hear the transmitter. I mean, everything, just bells and whistles, it's, it's going going great. Thanks to Mark, and then his son, Jeremy Menacucci, he uh, preaches on Sunday mornings, that's pretty cool. Yep. Good, good deal. Jeremy's going to hopefully come back uh, soon from seminary school. I mean, that's something that we need. We need the Word of God, and certainly Jeremy offers that. Uh, Monroe's, you love Kathy. She is How about so that Monroe's good. commercial? That is good. I heard you, uh, you I just, say that's I, your favorite I, commercial. I can't get enough of it. Yeah. <laughs> As I met Miguel and I met the kids, and they all came in and just 
you know, Sorry you've got singing. their sense of humor. She's from Ohio, right? And, and Miguel, you know, he's been he's been slinging uh, burros and sopas and everything else from the kitchen since '75, and they they recently relocated off their old uh, Lomas location and gone to other places. I mean, it's how many people? How many people have eaten? Honestly. I'll bet you in this, I would you bet think you that over a million people served. Oh, yeah. You think? Yeah. Gotta be. In all these years, absolutely. Yeah, right? That Lomas location used to, you could never get in yeah. without a wait. You could never get in without a wait. Yeah, it's just like, you're, you're, it's like it was their home, right? Miguel's out there just cooking. How many, I mean, like, how many plates has he served? Monroe. <laughs> I just got phone with uh, Debbie for a candy lady. Yeah? Yeah, she's doing good. She's about to uh she's about to hit the, the big digits here this year. She was telling me her age. I'm like, not you're not, you're not that. No, you're not. And she's still doing it. And I asked her, I said, Why don't you just retire? She's like, I'm never gonna retire. I can't retire. She doesn't seem like that kind. Yeah, she she's seems like, she wants like to voting keep day, she's lighting me up. She's always lighting me up. Like, oh we you know, here's the line over here. Here's the line over there. And Matt Madeline. And Madeline's still going strong. Wow. Madeline is in her eighties. And she owns Ann Matthews along with uh, her kids, wonderful kids. And uh, there it is, uh, Ann Matthews Bridal. Madeline's a good person. Patriot, by the way. Uh, Crow Financial, Tom Crow. Tom is like. When are you going to bring name? Tom in? You know what? I've, I've got to do that. I've got to do yeah, that. Let's go. He is one of those guys that, you know, he's like Zanetti. You can trust. Because he's not trying to sell you anything. He's just trying to make sure you, you understand what we're Those about. Those commercials to do. are as solid as I've heard of anything. Yeah. They're the best commercials. They really are. Yeah. You know who wrote those? Ben is good. Tom is good. Yes. That lady that does the uh, female part. Oh, really? She is not only a voiceover actress, but she is. she wrote those commercials. And it's like, wow. Solid. We uh, we talked about uh, Sunny, Sunny Side Up. That's yeah. always good. Um I'm gonna go over there. The Patriot Waffle. Can you do a little? Can you do a little promo for the Patriot Waffle? That is one of the new ones yeah. that's coming out. You know, the fresh strawberries. Does she the, get any pushback because it's called the Patriot nope. Waffle? No. She gets veterans coming in the yeah. door like there's no like, tomorrow. Yeah, just the Patriot Waffle. I want the Patriot Waffle. And people just are the not the fact a, that it's called the Patriot right there. That's like, it. Is enough reason for me to walk through that door tomorrow and say I want red, white, and blue on my breakfast. And there is no political assigned to it at all. People just love that place. Well, the USA is for everybody. Yeah. Um, can, you, can you say taco tote for me? Taco tote. Huge tacos. That is. That's good. Makes me want to eat there all the Jesus time. Jesus and <clears throat> Claudia do they, do they, are great. Carne asada burritos over there? Do they? I know they have the horchata. Horchata. Uh, BAC Tactical. Walter and them. Yeah, Walter is doing a good job. Straight line painting. He lo- he loves the station. He's such a good guy. Talking with Ephraim is just always fun. Yeah, but he he loves the station. He's on board. He's a, I have a feeling he loves what he does too. Yeah. I get the feeling that he truly loves what he does. I he like puts everything all, in here. Paint all day. He has passion for painting. I no, I think it's passion for people. Huh. I think he huh. wants to make sure that people are happy. Yeah. And if they say this is what they want, I think he does everything he can right. to make sure they get that. I like him. Immediately reconnected. Uh, uh, we got Clint Bridges. What's that? Clint's a good guy. Financial guy. He's got my uh, yeah, mortgage guy. He's got my cigarette. I, I, I want to say he's a medicine man. Is he a medicine man? Is I don't think like, so. No, he's not. 
he's got my Eddie Aragon for mayor sticker on his front door. Yeah. Like, yes, he does. I'm like, why? I don't even have my Eddie Aragon for mayor sticker on my front door. But I saw it on your car. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's still on my car. I leave it, leave it there. Ready for. I still see a couple of them around town. Do you really? Yeah. Mainly in the Paseo, Wyoming area. Who likes Eddie anyway? <laughs> Who's that Eddie Aragon? Isn't that that a-hole that ran? <laughs> uh, wow, we got uh, where? where? Did you know that uh, uh, we're, uh, Dowd is relocating to, um, he deserves to live in? Sabra Ranch. <laughs> Seriously, Dowd, that would be Ranch. a great thing, yeah. If there's any place that Dowd deserves to live, it is? An equestrian community. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't get enough of Sabra Sabra Ranch. The, the woman is a very seductive ad. Then we got uh, Slate Street Cafe. That's pretty good. I tell you what, you're now, there all the time, aren't you? Every Sunday, that's yeah. where me and George and Janice. How's George breakfast. and Janice doing? It's Salon Deluxe. You know, uh, they got their challenges, but yeah. things are are good with the salon itself and with them. They had some real health challenges earlier yeah, this yeah. year, but how's, they've how's come George? around. Early. I still love George. George is doing well, still working on the knee problem, but uh, yeah, I just talked to him before the show today, and he yeah. said that, you know, the doctors just said, keep on going. You're on the right track. Keep on keeping on. All right. George and Janice are just great people. But we're going to have some fun at the Christmas party this year? Yeah. All right. There we go. Uh, pet food has gone crazy up in Rio Rancho. She loves you. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, pet food has gone wild. I feel like we need All to- over town. Yeah, it's it's going wild. So there's, I feel like there's just they don't sell Purina, uh, Purina uh, puppy shop. No. no, people go from Albuquerque to Rio Rancho. That you, and just you know, for pet food. For pet food, that's, that's exactly gone wild. Right. At pet food, gone wild. More people, they go up the hill to get their pet food, and no one does that for any other thing. Really? No. I'm the, gonna this, trek across all the way to Rio Rancho to get my pet food gone wild because of the stuff that she sells, and she knows yeah. everything about dogs and cats. Uh, Dowd, uh, I, have you have you been to Pet Food Gone Wild? Yet? I have a, a couple of times, and you're not going to believe this. I, I haven't oh, told her, but go. the the woman who uh, is the legal owner of my golden retrievers—it's complicated. Uh, big, big, uh, big Trump derangement syndrome sufferer, like most people in Corrales. She Thanks loves. Much. She loves that facility, and she washes yeah. our dogs at that facility. Uh -huh. And if I were to tell her anything about that, what I know about that facility, she would no longer be a customer. So I zip these lips and don't say a word. There you go. It's, it's, uh, money's all green, and uh, you know politics yeah. is all keen. There you go. I'll leave it there. Good stuff. We got some. Uh, we had uh, one of our new guys come, Larry Marker, independent conservative, is supposed to jump uh, jump in. So we got him and. We've got a, a couple of new advertisers that you brought on, so that's exciting. So some good stuff. Rudy, oh. I'm sorry about your loss, but um, you also have more time. And Rudy Sr. is letting it go, and, um, you know, these radio wavelengths will be transmitting in the heavens forever along with uh, your your wonderful uh, dad. Any final words for I already miss my dad, but I don't miss my dad because I know he is just so happy where he's at. There we go. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Rudy, thanks for hanging out with us. And, Thank you. And sharing your story. And uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, tuning in as we embark upon Father's Day this Sunday. And remember, folks, your dad will not always be here, so treat him well, especially during the living years. On AM 600 KIV, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. 
Albuquerque's macro aggression. Oh, Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. Yeah, the ABQ. Rock of Talk. Yeah, the ABQ.fm, rockoftalk.com. Hour two coming at you from the ABQ. AM 600 TV, Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, podcasting, and apping at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. I got to flip this camera around as we had Rudy Grande in for our uh, number one there. And hopefully uh, all of you guys enjoyed that. And having Rudy, I mean, so many of you guys ask about the people who have been on this radio station. And uh, unlike other places, we actually build relationships with people. So, you know, they end up staying here for a long period of time. And Hence, uh, doubt on the eve of his, uh, I guess, second anniversary. I had no idea. I didn't know he was keeping track of that. But uh, D-Dad Musk, uh, the Dow 3000, he's even adopted the handle that, uh, I don't know that I gave him or given him. It's just it just sort of like organically happened. And uh, we're proud to have Dowd uh, 3000, best way to keep him in the state of New Mexico. Subscribe to his uh, newsletter every morning at rockoftalk.com. Dot chat. That's rockoftalk.chat. D-Dowd Muska, that must have been a very touching first hour for many of you out there. And I think as we ramp up into, you know, I, I had Rudy come in today. I thought this was the right day to go ahead and do it. The Ides of uh, June here as, uh, you know, we have a big weekend. Father's Day is the holiday. Not Juneteenth. It is Father's Day, folks. That's that's June 19th. I want to make sure that everybody celebrates that. You have a father you could not have been created without a father. God the father up on high and then the father in your family uh, as well. In fact, my kids have uh, two dads and they always say, you're our dad here. And then they always say, God is our spiritual dad. And I got to say, I absolutely love that. Uh, D-Dad Muska, how are you, sir? Uh, my, uh, while we're on that subject, Eddie, my father uh, never misses a chance when he, he'll 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 uh, come on the video screen or whatever and he'll say, son, son my father's very dramatic. You know, he's just he's just a vain drama queen, like father, like son, I guess. And he says, son, it's your it's your earthly father. It's your earthly father. I would, oh, I would, you know, you, you have two fathers, son. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm merely your earthly father. Uh, I wanted to say to Rudy, I think I was, uh, I was blocked out uh, last hour. You know, in the last two years, you, know, you can think about the final hours with, with uh, a, a, an elderly loved one, a parent in particular, final mm-hmm. hours, the final days, the final weeks. Think about the final two years of Mr. Grande's life. He could have been like so many other people in America and Europe and developed world warehoused in a facility where the bureaucrats at that facility or the government mandated how you would interact with that person, even cutting people off. Uh, he was with his family. He was in his home. His, his, his offspring, his, his, his grandchildren were with him in those final two years. I'm not trying to make a public policy point or a political point, but Regardless of, 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 we all have regrets when people leave us, and, and you know the final conversations or what that what that was. But just think of the two years that he had being surrounded by his family at a time when the whole planet went crazy. He could have been warehoused at a facility where he didn't even he didn't get access to his loved ones, and he had those final two years as the the world was falling apart. So I think that should be some solace to our uh, 
our good friend Rudy Grande, uh, and uh, he, boy, talk about a guy who did right by his his old folks, uh, mother and father, coming, yep. coming, leaving one of the biggest media markets in the country. Uh, I always think of Rudy flying around Los Angeles; like that would be a living hell for someone like me. He loved it, uh, but he came back, and <laughs> I think there's a commandment in one of your good books about honoring your father and mother. I think uh, Rudy passed that test with flying colors. Absolutely, and uh, Rudy, thank you for doing it yet once again for the final time on the uh, final sayonara to mom and dad uh, here in the Kiva. And we were... And, and, and curse you, Eddie Aragon, for, yes. for playing the living years because I'm totally dead inside. Nothing but a black piece of coal in this heart. Yeah. And and that damn song gets me misty-eyed like I have emotions or something. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we all need to. You know, um, I think about a time when um, I had a hard time facing my grandparents and their dad. And it was my sister and uh, my dad who made me. So I have a, a huge problem. I don't. I don't go in and look at open caskets. I, don't, I just don't do it. I won't walk in. I offer condolences to the family, but I will never walk up to the casket. I, I don't know why I don't. I don't. I, since I was a kid, I've just never like. I don't need to go and look at the dead body. I don't need to look at any of that stuff. And then the other thing too is I don't want anything from someone who's passed. My grandparents. I got a lottery ticket and a salt shaker. Um, and very specifically for a reason, because I want nothing from that. And so um, my both my dad and my sister, specifically my sister, I remember, my sister like walked me up to make sure that I got to see my Nana. Now, I wasn't there with my Nana passed away. And she had a uh, aneurysm. I used to fly back and forth every single day from Phoenix to Albuquerque. I think I told you this before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, whatever money I had, I spent the last dollar I had to just make sure that I could be there for my Tata as many days as I possibly could. I mean, there were days that I didn't have anything, and I would figure out a way to go ahead and do it. I figured I, I don't even know what I did, but I was there. I think five out of seven days one week. I think another. Six out of seven days the next week, and I was back and forth because I could. I was in a job that I couldn't quit, or couldn't you know leave. And my thought that was very upset because I had left to, to Phoenix, Arizona. And I remember my sister showing me she's like, "Look, you know, this is your grandmother. You know, this is your nana. You need to pay attention to it." And I thought to myself, "I'm like, no, that's not. It's that's not. I. When we lived, when we were here, my grandmother is here, and she's." still here there's so many people who have somebody pass and every day they continue to talk with that person as if they never left because they hear everything they said everything that they thought everything that you know they may have heard during their lifetime and it doesn't go away then that's really what this whole thing is about is like you know we have something to pass on and the thing is is we never stop living with our parents Every one of you have lo who've lost a parent, you didn't lose them. They're still here. You get to hear them and speak to them and talk to them and connect with them. They're just not here physically, but trust me, you know exactly <laughs> what they would say. You know exactly what they would think. And it doesn't matter how many people you talk to about or you're the strongest voice in your head is still those people, you know, who have sculpted and directed you. And, you know, when my parents pass, you know, still the same voices that I don't need. I don't need to talk to my parents every single day, but I do, you know, more or less. 
I already know what my dad will think about a situation. I know, what my, I know what my mom will think about a situation. We know what our parents will think. And my kids have to have that voice in their head. Because the averse is what? We see so many families that are broken. So many people who never had a father or a mother in their life. I cannot even... The reason why I'm so strong, I'm so confident, why I feel like I can't fail is because I have parents. My kids know what I would say about a situation regardless of if I'm there. Isn't that what you're supposed to be when you pass it on is like being there for your family and just not cutting them off so that they know what you would think, what you would say, what you might, I don't know, direct them to do in a particular situation so that we can continue to do the right thing. And that's where the destruction, I think, of all of our society has happened is because so many people have decided, yeah, I don't need to go ahead and be involved. Oh, no, he decided to do something I didn't want him to do, so I'm going to cut him off. And like, parents, you've done that. And then the same thing, kids, oh, I don't want to do what my parents say. I'm not going to go ahead and agree. And like, that's the breakdown of everything. <laughs> that is the one connection. The first voice you hear, just like my, my son. My son was not happy as he was crying when he came out of his mother until the moment he heard my voice, even from across the room as he went through a C-section. The moment he heard my voice, he's like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> oh, wow. All the black sludge off him, all the crap and everything. It's messy. Just, I'm like, I am going to wash my son. I'm going to wash my child when he comes out of the womb. Both kids, I did that. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want the nurses. I don't want the, I, I'm going to do it. Right. I'm going to be the one to go ahead and do that because that's the that's the stuff that he came out of. And I cleaned him off and he heard my voice and he was OK. And that voice never leaves. That voice is forever there. Don't break that, folks, one way or another. And you kids don't break that with your parents. Oh, no oh. matter what, don't break it. No matter how hard or how judgmental your dad or mom may be, do not break it ever. Because all you'll be doing is for the rest of your life be trying to get it back. And I know my, my you know, I know people who have broken it. I, I, I could be more specific, but I won't just because I, you know, want people to, to make sure. But don't break that connection that you have with your parents one way or another. Even if it's a bad connection, it's still a connection. If you're fighting with your parents, it's still better to fight with them than to cut them off. I don't know how important, I don't know how much loud louder i could possibly say that <laughs> like i don't care how much it ails you how how terrible they make your life do not cut off your connection with your parents do not do it do not do it because it's the breakdown of everything else at least at the very least even if it's destructive it at some point will tell you something that you didn't know otherwise because that is where you come from and, and one of the best ways to deal with your parents, if you're lucky enough to be younger and still have uh, living grandparents, Eddie, is to keep the relationship with your grandparents. Uh, people see this on the video. Uh, they see this cup. Sometimes I'm, I'm drinking out of it. Uh, usually most days I'm drinking out of it. This is a Mad Men circa 50s, 60s uh, hard plastic back when plastic was thicker and stronger. I salvaged it when we... My, my mother's mother, uh, Jeanette O'Dowd, she and Fitzpatrick Butler passed away finally uh, 12 years ago. Uh, we're coming up on, oh my Lord, August will be the 12th anniversary of that. And uh, her whole life, 
She was the meanest old Irish woman you've ever met. Uh, she would be horrified that her son lives in a state that's only 39% white. Uh, her whole life was her grandchildren, my two sisters and my me. She lived her whole life through her grandchildren. There was never anything that was on the priority list uh, below the grandchildren. And the reason I spent 11 years with my nephew is because I was modeling what she did for us. And basically the whole, my whole, you know, what, what would Grandma Jean do in this situation when any, when I had to deal with my nephew? You know, just you, you put aside everything you're working on, everything that concerns you, and you are there for the child. And that was my motivation for 11 years. And, uh, Gino, you're still with me every day, and I drink out go. of the glass That's every it. day and think about her every day. <laughs> That's the, uh, is that the actual glass from Grandma Gino? This is the actual glass, yes. There it is. Uh, also, Grandma Gino has impacted my kids. As we walk through the aisles of the uh, Ghetto Smith, <laughs> the Milano have, cookies, uh, Sebastian reaching back for the uh, Milano cookies, four dollars and ninety four cents. And I'm like, is that way you want to? Is that the way that you want to spend twenty five percent of your food allowance? <laughs> I'm teaching the boy quality, quality Pepperidge Farm. <laughs> yeah, he put it back after he saw that, so he went. Uh, <laughs> mac and cheese is remarkably expensive. Mac and cheese. It's everything now. You yeah, four packages of the instant mac and cheese, and I had one of them last night. I'm not even kidding, Dowd. It was six ninety nine for a four pack. <sighs> it's not gonna get better. It's probably gonna get worse before it gets better. Yeah, remember the breakdown of everything in this world, folks, is the breakdown of the family by way of the absence of the mother and the father. That is the breakdown of everything, and then just trying to justify it. 550, 5500. Somebody wants to jump in the Kiva. Call you in the Kiva. Go ahead. Very quickly. Hey, it's me, Peter. Hey, Peter. How are you? Are you out in Tombstone? Uh, yeah. Okay. How's it going down? Yeah, I don't know if you you, you saw this, uh, but I've been talking an awful lot about uh, Tombstone, especially, and we, we heard that in yesterday's uh, Trump speech. He was literally talking about at the very end. I don't even know if you remember, but his uh, his final State of the Union speech, that uh, State of the Union speech uh, back in uh, 2020, is that one? 2021? No, 2020. 2020. Yeah, he mentioned Wyatt Earp. So I want to thank you for the uh, time that you spent with me out there in Tombstone. Uh, what's, what's on your mind? Uh, we're talking about uh, Special Olympics. Um I want to put together some kind of fundraiser or carnival of some kind okay. to help special fix New Mexico because, you know, we lost all of our funding. I did not know that. Tell us how that happened. Uh, it was through our governor in the last uh, legislative session. Okay. She took all the funds away. So I would like to give back and try to have a carnival to help raise the money that we need to, to get the funds. Yeah, how much money do we need? Uh, uh, how much money did she take? Uh, I don't remember the figures. I would have to look them up, but she took all the funds away. I know Greg Schmidt is also working on it, but they said they can't do anything until the next legislature session. Okay. All right. Um, what What can I do here? Hopefully we can do a telephone or something to get um, like a pay forward hotline through Channel 4. Uh, uh, no, I asked what, what could I do? Not what can Tessa Mentes and, uh, you know, Chris Ramirez do. No, I'm uh, we're talking about Eddie. Uh, what, what can I do for you? I'm thinking we do a telephone phone through your, uh, network. 
Okay. We'll talk about that. So, uh, Peter's uh, been very busy out there. I think what 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 can we do, Dowd? Uh, any ideas? Uh, very quickly, Dowd. Well, I just on the website uh, serves over three thousand seven hundred athletes in this state alone. You think of New Mexico as a small population? That's a that's a lot. Um, uh, well, I, I guess you could at least start by going to sonm.org. Uh, there's there's got to be yep. There's a big donate button right in the top right hand corner, folks. That is sonm.org. Special Olympics, New Mexico. I'm a, so for three thousand seven hundred plus athletes, uh, how much money do we need per athlete? Are we talking about ten dollars, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars per athlete? What are we looking at? Probably ten dollars an athlete. Really. We're talking about raising $40,000 for the Special Olympics? Yeah, I think we can get it done through your network and what, my network. So what, what do we need? What, what do we need? Uh, what, what do the Special Olympics athletes actually need? We need equipment. We need jerseys, helmets. Because of COVID, we have to bring everything that we need. We have to pay for it out of our own pocket. Okay. Um, and this was removed when? Uh, at the end of the last legislative le legislature session. Okay. Maybe uh, this would be a, not a bad thing to sort of help uh, out the campaign with Mark Ronchetti and other Republican candidates out there. This is something that they could uh, certainly do. Maybe I'm sure Mark Ronchetti would be willing to jump on board with this. You know, I could text him right now. What would you be willing to take on the Republican gubernatorial um uh, in my opinion, who's going to be the next governor? Are you are you willing to do that? Yeah, I would be willing to work with Mark if he's down to help. Oh, he's down to help. There's no doubt about it. On that. So, what do you think? What do What do you think, Dad? I think this is already. Peter, uh, reach out to me directly. Just text me, and uh, let's put something together. Okay, I'm good with this. Can you send me your uh, phone number again? Oh, it's right. It's the number you called. Believe it or not. Okay. It there it is. You can okay. text me on that very same number. There it is, Peter. Okay. Uh, and, of course, in the show notes tonight, I will have uh, the, the link, folks. There's a lengthy website uh, donation uh, page on their subpage, uh, online, by phone, by mail, give monthly employer matching, endowments, memorials and honorariums. I mean, combined federal campaign, uh, any way you want to help out, there's, uh, there's a way you can do it. So I'm, I'm a little confused. The Democrats were able to get all sorts of funding from the federal government, making sure that there's lots of corporate welfare for the movie industry and people in this. But somehow the Special Olympics of all places got their funding removed. Think about that for a second. Yeah. And, and the Republicans, the white, angry Republicans are still funding. Front page of the Albuquerque Journal, just so you know that we do have plenty of impact and stroke here. Front page, there it is. Governor urges officials to delay migrant transfer. Now, folks, that doesn't just happen on its own. It's called political pressure. I think we had um, Ron Ketty's uh, commercial running for some time, right? Why, why, why might that happen? Let's go to uh, Ron Ketty's commercial. I think uh, I can. I think I can run that just sort of by itself, so we can get a more or less an idea. why she might be choosing to go ahead and hey we don't need all the immigrants remember i stopped the uh 14 to 17 year olds up in glorietta last time and then we continue to talk about this and uh this might be the reason why we decided to go ahead and not do this because it's an election year folks it's an election year. republican mark ronchetti strong conservative 
real plans to turn New Mexico around. Here's Mark Ronchetti on border security. You can't fight crime if you don't secure the border. As governor, I'll bring the National Guard to the border and we'll create a border strike force to go after the cartels. And Mark Ronchetti has a plan to fight crime, starting with ending catch and release. We have a criminal problem. But political yes, elites, do. they don't take on criminals. No, they they don't. demonize police. Demonize as an outsider, them. I'm as fed up as you are. Yes, enough you is are. enough. I'll end yeah. catching release and we'll stop being a sanctuary state. And I'll Be never the governor. apologize for backing the blue. That's Republican right. Back Mark the blue. Ronchetti. Secure the Pro border. Pro-Second Amendment. He'll defend our values. Yes, he will. Early voting sites are open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. To find nearest locations, visit markronchetti.com. Paid for and authorized by Mark Ronchetti for governor. There it is. I'm Mark Ronchetti, and I approve this he message. He approved this message. There it is. Ronchetti, what do you think? Secure the border. Hey, he's going to back the blue. There you go. So the governor urging officials to delay the migrant transfer. New Mexico continues to deal with raging wild. Listen to this. <clears throat> Listen to the uh, grooming going on by the Albuquerque urinal. I need a like somebody in the background. Like uh, I'm thinking of um, <clears throat> Revenge of the Nerds. Nerd! Yeah, the urinal. I think he's peeing for like forty some odd seconds. You're like, it's even people. People in the theater are uncomfortable. Because... <laughs> What's that guy's name? I wonder if he's still alive. Remember the guy with the beard? He would just. Oh yeah. What's his name? Animal Mongo, something like that. Yeah, yeah something like yeah, that. He was definitely the animal character. As New Mexico continues to deal with raging wildfires that have charred more than 900 square miles of land, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham has asked the cabinet official in President Joe Biden's administration, "Please, please don't send us the migrants. I'm going to lose the election. Please, people." to transport migrants from the U.S.-Mexico border region to the Albuquerque and other interior cities. In a Tuesday letter to U.S. Secretary, Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas. I don't even know the last name Mayorkas. What is that? Mayorkas. Mayorka. I wouldn't know, I know where that's at in Spain. Sounds a little Greek. It does, actually. And the but... way it's is especially Greek. You might want to find the ethnicity. I am... The most interesting man in the world. New Mexico and other states would bear the brunt of adverse economic and social impacts if a planned relocation effort is carried there. This has got to really make the Democrat Party pissed off. They've got to be angry at this point, right? What do you mean you're not going to go ahead and take on the migrants, the immigrants? These poor people. We have plenty of money. We can send money to Ukraine. We can send a billion dollars to Ukraine today. We can bring in the migrants. While I understand the difficulty the department faces in managing the flow of migrants at the southern border in the absence of comprehensive immigration reform, I have serious concerns, serious concerns regarding the department's readiness to address the influx of individuals who are poised to enter the New Mexico border, if further preparation is not undertaken. Yeah, that, that is your governor. What? <laughs> what are we talking about here? Are, are we, is this the same governor that's trying to piss <laughs> off against this guy? Republican Mark Ronchetti 
strong <gasps> conservative. Strong. Real plans to turn New Mexico Real around. Real plans. Here's Mark Ronchetti on border security. Border security. You can't fight crime if you don't secure the border. There you go. You can't fight crime if you can't secure the border. There it is. What's the biggest uh, problem in New Mexico? Crime! Amid a recent surge of asylum seekers in the U.S.-Mexico border, U.S. Department of Homeland Security recently crafted a plan to address overcrowding at the border by transporting migrants to cities such as Los Angeles and Houston and Dallas and Albuquerque, according to NBC News. However, details about when such a relocation effort might begin and how many individuals could be transported to different interior cities to await immigration court hearings have not been publicly announced. Luhan Grisham, who last year said New Mexico stood ready, or at the ready, anything Biden requests. $26 billion will practically bend over in an elevator at the El Dorado Hotel in the summer of 2020. Sorry. <clears throat> A little bit more than I need to. <clears throat> Seeking asylum after fleeing from Afghanistan said the wildfires burning this year amid the severe drought conditions have taxed it's the wildfires. Everything is New Mexico's on fire. Blame the federal government. From crime to asylum-seeking refugees to, well, you know, the actual fires themselves burning is anybody's fault but her own. The governor has declared emergencies in seven New Mexico counties. There it is. There's the, the cover run by the Albuquerque Urinal. They run cover for the governor all the time. They love the governor, the Albuquerque urinal. Burn it to the ground. Well, not, not the actual facility, but just, just the paper. You just can grab a paper for $2. There it is. You won't even be able to get your uh, backyard fire started with the thinness of the Albuquerque Journal. Has authorized up to $45 million in emergency spending for firefighting efforts. Supplies and more, though the spending could eventually be reimbursed by the federal government. Well, we'll take care of the federal government. We, we know that you're in debt, $30 trillion. We'll, we'll go ahead and advance the federal government the money, despite the fact that you started. For that reason, Lou Grisham said she would not allow state resources to be used on immigration-related expenses. That's It's a financial decision. This woman is so responsible. Not only will she make sure that we're not spending money on that, but she's not going to spend $800 plus to go ahead and clean up her dog crapping on the rug of the fourth floor or her governor's mansion. I cannot allow communities in the state of New Mexico to shoulder additional burdens falling squarely. Well, I, I believe that she uh, asked the community of Deming, who never got paid back their million dollars to house the multitude of immigrants illegal that came into the state of New Mexico. I believe that Deming was never made whole, as they say, as they say in the accounting business. Meanwhile, the letter comes less than a month after Lujan Grisham met with Mayorkas and other top federal officials in D.C. about wildfire relief and other issues. Did she agree less than a month ago? Was she at this particular point? Has anybody looked into this? Did Michelle Lujan Grisham uh, less than a month ago meet with Alejandro Mayorkas to say that you could bring us. You're thirsty. You're tired. You're immigrant. <laughs> Yearning to breathe free. <laughs> it also comes as the governor is seeking a re-election in a second for you. Oh, so, such honest journalism here in the urinal here. 
Mark Ronchetti, her Republican opponent in the general election, described Lujan Grisham's letter on Tuesday as an election year stunt. I don't know that she needs to go that far, Mark. Just say, oh, she's running for re-election. Of course she's going to say what we want her to say because we are winning the election. Wouldn't that be a better way to go about this? Hey, we are ahead in the polls, and she's going to do whatever we tell her to do. That's the way I would phrase it. It's not an election year stunt. She's going to try to do the right thing, and we're making her do the right thing. We're already on the fourth floor in Santa Fe. That's the way to phrase it, Mark. Take some, uh, take, take some of my tutelage here. It's no surprise she now wants to delay the relocation in Seoul after the election. Well, I wouldn't even say that at this point. I'd say a majority of New Mexicans want their borders to be secure, and we do not want to relocate the illegal immigrants like Arizona and Texas have decided not to do. New Mexico also wants to join forces and protect this border. That, that's the phrasing. That's the phrasing. We don't even... We don't even think about her after the election. In fact, the words, quote unquote, after the election only resulted when I'm governor after the election, we don't have to worry about this little midget of a woman up in the fourth floor. Like she does, you don't, you're dead to me. You don't exist, Michelle Lujan Grisham. Like that's the way to phrase that. Just start talking about her as if she doesn't exist. That's the way I phrase it. Because Mark Ronchetti is our governor, as far as I'm concerned. Whatever Mark Ronchetti says, he's a Republican governor right now. I don't even... What? Are we running against Michelle Lujan Grisham, or are we counting the days down until she is gone? Think about that. Everything's psychological. Why do we have to feel like we're victimized by Michelle Lujan Grisham? I don't live in Michelle Lujan Grisham's democratic state of New Mexico. No, I don't. I live in Mark Ronchetti's post-November election reality of bountiful, you know, unbelievable growth, the opening of the spigot, the oil and gas. The uh, I, I believe that he promised that we were going to be getting money in our bank accounts from the oil and gas industry based upon Eddie and Lee counties, the number one and number six uh, oil-producing counties in the entire country, and we're going to get back to that. That's where we're going. As far as I'm concerned, we're already there. That's how sure I am that that we're going to win. That's the way to look at this. You know what they call this? They call this affirmed close. When you walk into a room and you're like, I don't close them, they've already closed. Why would they be visiting with me if they did not want to change their mind? Guy doesn't never, walk on the lot unless he wants to make a buy. <laughs> I never have an expectation to meet with anybody unless they want to be close. I'm a salesman. Why are you meeting with me? Do you not realize the possibility that when I walk into the room that I'm going to give you the reality of what you seek that you might have not been provided for the last four years from the current person who has been, quote, unquote, been wanting to give this to you? You're going to let her change her story or him change his story? No, you don't have to worry about that because I am here to make your dreams a reality. Enter Ricardo Montalban. That's it. Smiles, everyone. Smiles. 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 (laughs) You're on Fantasy Island. Uh, Eddie, before we let this go, Alejandro Mayorkas 
See, this is why, you know, the Dow 3000, his brain functions pretty, pretty, pretty well. Okay. Uh, there is a Greek connection. Uh, he, uh, Greeks. You, know, the, you want to talk about diversity. Uh, born in Havana, Cuba. Why this young man ended up becoming a leftist is beyond me because he should have learned from his family history, but let's leave that aside. Uh, he was born in Havana, Cuba in 1959 when he was just a year old. His parents fled with him and his sister to the United States. Why did they do that? Because the commies were taking over Cuba and the commies have done such a wonderful, wonderful job with that island down there. Lived in Miami shortly. They went to Los Angeles. It doesn't look like he had a tough upbringing. He went to Beverly Hills High. Beverly Hills, uh, K through 12, all the way. Beverly His father. Hills. 90210. Yeah, I don't know if Dylan uh, and Brandon, you know, if Dylan and Brandon were around, but um, he, interesting. His father was a uh, Cuban. Way, Dylan's dead, just FYI. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I know. I just yeah, actually saw him in his last role, the Tarantino movie. Uh, right. He was a, his father was a Cuban Jew of Sephardi background. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, you know, of course, the Sephardim are the ones that were more in the Muslim world, and the Ashkenazis uh, were more sort of Germany, Poland, oh, Russia. Uh, his father was part, both part Ashkenazim and part uh, Sephardim. He owned and operated a steel wool factory on the outskirts of Havana. He's the old man studied economics at Dartmouth. Uh, wow. You want to talk about fleeing? You want to talk about fleeing totalitarianism? His mother, Anita Gabor was a Romanian Jew whose family escaped the Holocaust and fled to Cuba in the 1940s, right ahead of the Communist Revolution. She had to flee the place she fled to. Uh, this man learned nothing uh, about freedom and uh, Western values, apparently, because he's part of the Biden administration and he's a big lefty. He was a lawyer in California for many years before uh, a U.S. attorney and in private practice before he became DHS head. Uh, this guy could have learned about totalitarianism from both parents. Instead, he's all in on lefty, big government wokeism. Alejandro Marocas. There he is, folks. Uh, all right, so uh, Dow's got a couple of write-ups. we got some stuff we got to get to. We're going to talk about the good times. Uh, no, we ain't going to be talking. <laughs> Rodri, one, and Dwayne. Excuse me, we're going to be talking about some uh, bad times that are up ahead. We'll talk about the inflation, the three point uh, three quarter point uh, rise, 0.75% uh, increase in the in interest rate. So we're going to do that. All that and a lot more when we return. Right here in the Kiva on AM 1600 FM, rockoftalk.com. Speaking of Havana, little Camila Cabello, yeah, also from Cuba as well. The music's actually pretty decent. <laughs> He took me back to East Atlanta, na na na. All of my heart is in Havana. There's something about his manners, Havana. Five forty-six here in the Kiva. Little yeah yeah yeahs. There, map the uh, great song. I'm just gonna play what I like. How about that? Uh, I think that's probably the the best way to go. Doubt has been uh, sending me stuff and uh, sending it uh, in a flurry of uh, misinformation that's coming from the right. Doubt and I are here to provide you and set the record straight. Uh, it is not good times, uh, folks. It is not good times uh, at all. And we've been trying to prepare you for this. I know many of you probably don't want to hear about the, the, the oncoming onslaught of negative economic activity, 0.75% uh, 
increase in interest rates. Uh, Dowd uh, was hammering me yesterday at the end of the show with uh, a number of articles from everything from CNN to MSNBC to CNBC to the stuff that that's out there. And uh, it doesn't look good. So they're, they're trying to sort of, you know, uh, program you into this position that, hey, it's okay. We saw this coming. Like, you did not spend this amount of time in COVID to think that you're going to come out into an economic recession and depression. There's no way that that happened. The depression was supposed to be happening during COVID, but it didn't happen. What happened? Oh, it's the fastest growing economy. Look what we did. Like, they're still going to try and figure out a way to blame Donald Trump and the Republicans for this. It's the printing of the money. It's the shutdowns coming. Like, every single one of these things is coming from the left, from the Democrat. There is nothing at this point that the Republicans could possibly, possibly be responsible for. And even in places like, well, uh, dare I say it, we're going to get to that as well. Nevada, which has been blue since 2004 and really been blue before that. They're turning red because they can't deal with this insanity anymore. Market Watch, Yahoo, CNBC, Finance, CNBC, CNBC, CNBC. Let's just let's let's hit all these articles, Dowd. How big is the stock market sell-off? The S&P erasing nine point three trillion dollars from its market cap. We got uh, the and that's just Virgin we, Galactic alone, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, <laughs> there, there we go. I mean, it's all right there. Uh, Dow, let's go back and forth on these articles. I was reading this, and it gets depressing. This is the reality. Unfortunately, you've been hearing this for far too long. The time to go ahead and uh, do a little profit-taking is probably like two to three months ago. Yeah. Yep. Mortgage rates are at 6.5%, right now. That's where you're at. Talk to any mortgage broker it's just, or, you know, actually a uh, you know, mor- mortgage holder, and they're looking at something at the very best, 55 to 6%. And probably at the worst for, I don't know, uh, you know, 620, 630, 640 credit score. Probably somewhere in the uh, high sixes, low sevens. Dowd, uh, all of the major stock market uh, watch lists are finally recognizing what's actually happening. Yeah, uh, scary, scary stuff. I mean, nine, I'm, yeah, I'm just kidding. It's not it's not just Virgin Galactic, uh, $9.3 trillion erasing it. Think about all those, um, let's see, uh, Government employees who are planning on retiring at 44 or 51, uh, you are affected by this, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, your defined benefit pensions are, are, are smacked when, the, when Wall Street takes a smack. And, of course, the people who are in 401ks uh, feel it even, even more because they don't have uh, taxpayers committing you know, huge, huge amounts to it. Uh, the Powell stuff is interesting. Um, yep. you know, this guy is just stuck. He's, 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 just, he's screwed. <laughs> Paul Volcker, we lived at a time when Paul Volcker, Volcker oh, yeah. could... Uh, could ratchet things down in the '80s and not be hated. Uh, I don't. I don't know that what's his name uh, Powell gets away with it. But Eddie, the one thing that really, um, well, there's so many. I sent you a whole Chinese menu. Uh, the Coinbase cryptocurrency folks uh, laying off 18% of their staff. What I'm, what I, the three articles at the bottom of the list I sent you really interest me because of your background in, in real estate. By, by Values way, crypto, are crypto is sub 20 now. Crypto. Oh wow. Is, yeah. Wow. Uh, Property value starting to fall in certain places. The mortgage rate surging to six, 
uh, what, 0.28. That was up from 5.5% a week ago. Now, I'm not in the mortgage business, but you can't tell me that, uh, a, 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 what is it, a full, more than a full point increase in, what was what they say, 100 basis points, the, yep, the people in that business. I mean, in one week, Eddie, that, that cannot and be normal. on real estate, because they're trying to unload, they're dropping their asks on properties immediately. I mean, I'm, hmm. I'm following a few pieces of property that are out there. One dropped 15, another one dropped 20K. It's like a mid-range, uh, $450,000, $500,000 property, dropping 15, 20K. If you look at that, just look at that. That's 5 6%. Within a week, they're dropping their asking their asks on it. Wow, wow. Uh, and then um, Redfin and Compass, we were talking about layoffs yesterday. We did not talk about Redfin and Compass because this hadn't been announced yet. Uh, are laying off workers as mortgage rates rise sharply and home but, sales how many, drop. Uh, how many workers for Redfin? Uh, let me see if I have a percentage. Uh, I can't get... Oh, oh. Uh, Compass is a 10% cut in, cut in its work fa- workforce and Redfin an 8% cut in their workforce. So That's uh, immediately based upon... This expectation that it was going to go down 0.75, they already knew what to do. They knew how much uh, property uh, would drop off and how much it would impact their bottom line. That's just where it's at, folks. Doubt? Yeah, I mean, my question for you, Eddie, and the reason I put those three articles in is, is doesn't the housing market in the way that people buy and flip homes, in the way that people renovate homes, in the way that people are used to rising prices certainly more recently in, in terms of uh, uh, having equity in a home that's a rising asset uh if we're starting to see real declines here uh this is not a small problem i mean in in some ways uh, this is as big as a stock market slide isn't it uh well i think it's actually more because we're more. dealing with actual numbers you know stocks are never real right you know, yeah, stocks yeah. Is like a sort of inflated you invested it back in 2018 you held it until 2022 Versus you actually bought a tangible product and it and it's something that you can borrow against. You cannot borrow against your 401k or your stock portfolio. Like a lot of people don't think about that. If you have a cryptocurrency, you can't borrow against that. You either have to keep it or sell it. And you have to find a willing buyer to go ahead and do so. So if you're seeing a subtraction in the real estate industry, which is what we're going to be seeing going forward, once you have this bolstered 0.75% increase, it's not that the value of the actual real estate product is less. It's just the cost of owning it is more. Let me repeat that. Okay. The value of the actual real estate is the value of the real estate at that point in time. Okay. And you, you need to like iron that out in your head. How expensive it is, is depending upon when you decide to borrow the money to buy it. Okay. So did you get a 3% rate? Did you get a 6% rate? If you get a 6% rate, you bought it too expensive. So that's the time at which you bought it. Versus if you bought a 3% rate, it's not that expensive. For, for those of you who bought, you know, real estate in the 25 3%, 3.5%, 4% rate, you're like, oh my gosh, this is still the bargain of a lifetime. If you bought it in 2019 on its way up at rates at 3, 3.5%, keep it for the next 30 years. Because you are the richest man that anybody knows. But if you waited until at this moment to sell, be lucky if you can unload it. Okay? Because I'm going to tell you right now, in two and a half to three months, we're going to be pushing eight and a half, nine percent rates. And the pain threshold is going to set in with the massive layoffs 
And we're going to have the misery index at plus 20%, which, by the way, is what we are looking at. Let's go back to the late 70s, early 80s and talk about the misery index. And once we're over that 20% threshold, where interest rates and your cost of borrowing are 9% and the unemployment rate somewhere between 9 to 10% because of the massive corporate layoffs, folks, that's not a recession. That is a depression. And we will not be coming out of that for at least six to eight quarters at a minimum. You can go back and look at this stuff economically. And the winners were all the people who bought all the property. And the losers were all the people who needed to buy a property, didn't buy a property. Better yet, the real winners are going to be the people who waited to buy a property and decided to go ahead and vulture the people who needed to find capital, who needed to unload what they needed to unload. So if you have, if you have credit card debt, get rid of it today. Like as in 555 on Wednesday, June the 15th. Hey, whatever you have in your bank, throw it against your cap, uh, throw it against your, your, your credit cards and just zero out. Zero out today. Okay. If you have a home equity line, pay it off as quickly as you possibly can. Whatever you have borrowed, pay it back in today's rates and just be done with it. Okay. And if you're sitting on a mortgage that's floating around two and a half to 4%, Hang out, be cool, kick it, uh, kick it around in your backyard, have some beers, you know, some wine, uh, cook some steak, okay? Make sure you have everything taken care of. Make sure you have enough food, clothes. Make sure you're all set for the next three to five years. Three years from now is 2025. Five years is 2027. We're hovering around 2026. Go back and look at the early 80s, okay? It's all been done before. Early 80s. What happened back in 8081? Why do we hire Reagan so he can get rid of it? And then we can destroy communism by 1985 is what we did. Not only did we like like you know hopscotch forward, we 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 twisted, jumped forward, way forward at that point. We chewed up everything. And then boy, it was the heyday for about a good three and a half to four years, and Wall Street was going, and then we got involved in another war. Those globalists love for us to get in, involved in these wars. All right, let's uh, the cryptocurrency. For those of you thinking that you're going to go ahead and jump involved in or get involved in cryptocurrency, uh, uh, you're wasting your time. You missed that boat. If you didn't sell at 40, 45,000, keep what you got. Okay. Coinbase laying off 18%. Yeah, it's going to be 80% uh, before all is said and done. 80%. They're calling it a crypto winner. What? Crypto is not going to exist in about 10 years at this rate. The cryptocurrency exchange will cut 18% of full-time jobs, according to an email sent to employees. That's 5,000 full-time workers, translating to a headcount reduction of 1,100 people. Shares of Coinbase closed down 0.83%. Wow. You're telling me you're going to lay off 20%, but you're only down less than 1%? The market is failing to catch up with what's actually happening. That's what's happening right now. But it doesn't want to acknowledge the reality of what's actually has already has happened. We appear to be entering a recession after a 10 plus year economic boom. Recession could lead to another crypto winner and could last for an extended period, meaning five plus years. Are you prepared? 
Are you prepared? Likely you're not. Likely, oh, I don't know. We should legalize it. Oh, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> oh, transgender. No, save the environment. You, these are going to be like on the back burner for the next. Well, well, Eddie, can we stop for a second and and, yeah, and revisit that that yeah. comment from CEO yeah, Brian Armstrong of Coinbase? I I feel very bad for the one thousand one hundred people are being laid off. We're probably mostly hardworking people in the financial sector. We appear to be entering a recession after a 10-plus-year economic boom. Uh, allow me to disagree with that a little bit. Uh, a 10-plus, after the Great Recession ended during the Obama years, uh, that was a very weak recovery. I can cite you the statistics. We started to pick up some real traction during the Trump, the, the pre-Rona Trump years. We had a lot of people coming off the sidelines, people joining the labor force. We had record low unemployment in category after category after category. We had a, a strong stock market. This 10 plus year economic boom, I don't think it, I don't think, I wouldn't quite explain it the way he did, Eddie. Uh, and, and the fact that we didn't have a recession the last two years is due solely to one thing and one thing only. We made money money printing machine go and we chucked it out of helicopters all over the country uh, to, to the tune of trillions of dollars. This guy is the CEO of a of a crypto exchange and he's talking about the last 10 plus years we've had an economic boom. Uh, allow me to uh, disagree and also allow me to add and, and I sent this is the one at the very bottom of the list of links I sent you, Eddie, because one of our buddies at Thornburg uh, Investment Management uh, got got into a Bloomberg uh, a quote in Bloomberg on this. Um, so it starts off with uh, LP. What's her name? Uh, Quincy Crosby. Uh, I was glued to the screen earlier this week as everything basically uh, went to hell. What she saw was ugly, even by the standards of this volatile year. Monday's wild ride throughout the financial market stands out. Uh, Treasury yields, uh, of course, obviously, but all but five stocks in the S&P 500 tumbled uh, cryptocurrencies. We, we know about that. Here's what Christina Hoffman, portfolio manager, Thornburg Investment Management, uh, headquartered in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I'm reading right from Bloomberg. She said market liquidity has deteriorated so much that uh, uh, Christian, I'm not a Christina, Christian, so much that he's thinking about the dark days of 2008. Uh, you hear Mr. Aragon talk a lot about the big short and margin call and, and his experience in the, in the, in the uh, real estate business in Las Vegas in 2008. You don't want memories of 2008 coming back. 2008 was a bad year. And according to the Thornburg analyst, liquidity in the market is worse than it was leading up to Lehman, uh, referring, of course, to the Lehman Brothers uh, collapse that was part of the, the worst financial crisis since the 1930s. Uh, it's the kind of problem that can exacerbate losses in a big way, creates even more risk, because if the market doesn't have liquidity, it can gap down very, very quickly. You don't want phrases like, Lehman Brothers and reminds me of 2008 uh, kicking around. That, that's that's scary stuff, Eddie. I, I'm far from a financial analyst, and even I know that's scary stuff. Yeah, I think the, the, the fact that everybody's starting to hear this stuff in the midst of coming out of COVID-19, in the midst of uh, coming out from all the various things that have, quote-unquote, ailed us at, at this point, and then uh, a further, you know, sort of uh, punch down in the economy is not good and the cost of money and that's exactly what interest rates represent does your cost of money go up and how does it impact because you're looking at a pool think of it like uh, internet bandwidth right 
like everyone's getting on to watch their movie. Uh, let's get together at 8.30, but we know it's going to be, the high peak is going to be at 9, and I'm not getting enough throughput to actually watch my movie. That's the way to look at credit, folks. I don't know how else more simply to put it. Like, you're not going to be able to go ahead and watch the entire movie. You're going to have to borrow that because there's too many other people who are doing that, and the pipeline has been restricted, right? Because somebody else is controlling that amount of money or an amount of bandwidth, if you will, that you can actually share and borrow from. Now, you're not going to be able to get enough credit. Your credit's going to be reduced, not because of anything that you've done, because you've paid off all your credit cards. You're totally fine. You've done what you need to do, but because there isn't any more that actually exists, and we cannot... Can you imagine having all your credit cards and having a great credit score, let's just say you have like $100,000 in credit that you can use at any time. You can walk and, you know, basically buy a car on credit, you know, pay for it. And then all of a sudden the next month you say, oh, you no longer have 100000 in credit. You have 25000 because the banks can no longer allow because of fluidity and the exchange, right? And we're going to have uh, Greg Zanetti on tomorrow. Because of the transfer of money, it doesn't actually exist anymore for the strength of the economies that allow those overnight transfers. That's what we're talking about. Telling you that the underpinnings of the macroeconomic market no longer exist. Doesn't matter how much money you personally have. And everything's going to be a cash basis. That's the scary thing. When everything goes full cash and you're not good unless you're a cash buyer, that removes 90% of the pool because nobody's a cash buyer, right? Except for the people who actually have cash. We are in scary times, okay? This is the opportunity for the next three to six months for you to buy your house, buy your car, pay it off as quickly as you can before the cost of that actually shoots up even higher. And I, you have not ever seen anything like this in your lifetime. What you are about to experience, you have never seen this. The spikes that you've seen, they're nothing compared to what you will actually experience over the next two to three years once something called panic sets in. When panic sets in, you've got irrationality. And irrationality, you have people doing irrational things. Keeping money, hoarding money, or spending money as quickly as they possibly can. And then you're trying to find a bridge and then it doesn't exist. Trouble with a capital T. How about businesses? Let's just talk about businesses. And we'll talk on a macro scale with big businesses, Fortune 500 companies. What do you think is going to happen to this? We've already prepped you for this. Trying to tell you, like, uh, here's the layoffs. I was trying to tell uh, Dow, it's like, here's all the layoffs. Oh, that sounds like a big layoff, right? Nothing like the layoffs that you're about to see. Nothing. Why? Because the cost of capital is too high. Businesses can no longer afford this stuff. They have to make rational decisions, and that has to do with, well, we need to make sure that we can keep the doors open. They can't rob Peter to pay Paul because Peter has already raped Paul at this point, and we need to go ahead and keep what cash we have on hand so we can keep things fluid and going.
a financial Armageddon is far worse than the actual event, a cataclysmic event. The reason why is at least you can deal with that. It's It's got a final resting place. In a financial sort of realm, it continues to happen in a very small way, but then it implodes in a very large way. And this is the problem that we're going to start to see with big corporations. Because all of the BS flows downhill to workers who own houses, who have spending accounts, who have credit cards, who have bills and jobs and responsibilities. Big corporation like, oh, we laid off 118,000 people. We laid off uh, 50,000 people. We laid off 30,000 people. It's like, oh, no big deal. We had to go ahead and reduce it. What's the impact of every one of those average salaries that are at XY plus Z salary, right? You lose a job at 120,000, like you did in the case of Los Alamos, right? Like we laid off this number of people. That's like the average salary of three people in the state of New Mexico. For every one job you lost, you lost three jobs. It's a problem. Your subscriptions, your renewals, all these things, they just start to expire. The entire time as I've been looking at this, I've been thinking and almost awaiting for something like this to happen. Like we're just trying to like, okay, Dow's got to establish what he's doing. I got to make sure that we take care of our advertisers. I don't want to drive up prices because I know it's going to come down. What do I do? I do I jack up prices? Oh, you need to be paying 2022 prices. 2022 prices um, are not going to be the same as 2018 prices, which is eventually what you're going to pay because that's the reality of the capital that we have artificially inflated. So my people are going to be happy because they're going to be paying the same thing that they were paying back in 2015, 2017, 2019 versus the people who had their prices jacked up on them. The economy, quote unquote, may have changed, okay, but it didn't really change. When you're printing money, when you're, let me repeat this to each and every person. When you're printing money, it doesn't mean that you have more money. It just means that the money that you have is worth a lot less than it was worth. Okay. When you print money and you say, okay, I suddenly printed a hundred, like I've understood this since I was a kid. It's like, oh, oh my God, you got it. You came into a bunch of money. Buy as much as you possibly can in the current money numbers that you currently have. Pay it off as quickly as you can and then sit on it. Versus, oh, you know what? They're just going to print more money. I'll get more money. It's going to be worth a lot less. Depends upon when you buy, what you buy, okay? And when you pay it off. You're in dangerous times. I know Glenn Beck is sounding the alarm, but I don't know that there's an alarm that actually needs to be sounded. For those of you who have your house, your cars, your all your stuff paid for, and you're all ready to go, you're good. Don't worry about it. You're good, okay? For the rest of you who have borrowed money and who are in a position where you're going to need to borrow more money so you can go ahead and exist and you lose your job, you're F. And you're going to be moving in with your aunt, your uncle, your mom, your dad, somebody at some point for some reason because you can't afford the lifestyle that you have become accustomed to because you thought this party was going to go on forever. That's where you're at. So a sobering look at all the articles that uh, Dow uh, sent to me yesterday. I was sort of like, oh, this is what we expected. This isn't surprising. 
when we tell you to prepare, this is what we tell you. Like real estate, there's going to be bigger winners and even bigger losers going forward. In business, there's going to be bigger winners and bigger losers. What side are you going to come out on? Are you going to do the X's and O's, the singles and doubles, and do the basic stuff to get it done? That's all you got to do. Go back to the fundamentals. Like we've talked about in the economy. Are the fundamentals good? Does, it have, does the house have good, home, uh, good bones, right? Isn't that what you said, Tab? Then we're going to be okay. But if it didn't, then you're not going to make it out. It's just that simple. And in the midst of this inflationary pressure from gas to food to take your pick of what industry that isn't hurting your bottom line, you're not going to be able to buy that on credit anymore. Trust me, folks. And your credit's going to start getting cut off, and that's going to create the crisis. And then you're going to turn into class warfare. You're going to try to turn around into somebody to blame, and then you're going to be mistaken because it's not the oil companies who have been losing their money. It's not the housing companies who have been losing money. It's not any of these companies or these industries that have been losing money. It's going to be the people that you voted for who made the money, the politicians who never had a stake in the game, who never at any point actually made a beneficiary decision on your behalf, and you're going to turn around and you say, you know what, who do I blame? And you say, no, not me. They're the people who are trying to print more money to give us back what we're missing so we can make ends meet. They're going to go ahead and give us an allowance, $250, $500, in the gas allowance, so we can pay for the gas that's suddenly more expensive. And you're saying, like, where's the government get its money? Oh, from the very people, from the industries that you penalize, the gas industry, the housing industry, and every other private industry that's actually funding the government. And then you're going to start to real, uh, rationalize and realize how in the hell do the Republicans win so many House seats and Senate seats in 2022? This is what happened. And then suddenly we have amnesia and we forget. And then suddenly we get comfortable, fat, and happy. And we say, oh, we're going to worry about race and the environment and gun control. And whether or not your, your uh, you know, androgynous uh, uh, offspring can't tell whether it wants to go into the boys' or girls' restroom, and you'll say, you know what, that's my priority. And you'll start to realize, like, oh, my God, I'm so far away from 2022 and 2028. I'm okay again. You're like, no, 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 I'm not okay. I remember what happened back then, and I'm going to prioritize the economy and the fundamentals that kept this country together, and we're going to make it through the 250 years, and we're going to say, you know what, we know what got us here. We know what didn't get us here. Being woke goes broke. Printing money ain't funny, folks. It's hurtful and it's bad for every person out there. The more money we print, the less money you make. Understand that that's what inflation is. 550.55. Yeah, I just, I, you made a point, Eddie, that's something that's bothered me in the last few weeks thinking about, uh, gen, you know, I'm, I'm interested in demographics and, and the generations. The Pew Research Center, they define the millennials as uh, people born roughly, people 25 to 40, uh, according to this analysis. That's the largest generation in America right now. They represent over 72 million Americans, the biggest generation claiming the biggest chunk of our population. The millennials have, have no idea what inflation is. They've never experienced it. And frankly, a pretty good chunk of Generation X, our generation, the younger Generation Xers, they 
they've never experienced inflation either. And so the psychology of this, I think, can't be uh, overhyped. Uh, they're going to be encountering situations they haven't encountered before. And that's when things could get really crazy. And people, you think America is mentally ill right now. Uh, <laughs> we might be on for a wilder ride than this. They don't know what it is. I remember inflation as a very young person. I remember gas lines and sitting with my mother in Enfield, Connecticut, uh, as a young as a young person. But uh, when you've never known this kind of stuff and it starts happening, things could get even crazier than they already are. And I think that's a point of one more reason to be just delighted about the path our country's on. Yep, it is uh, on this path of uh, total and complete annihilation and destruction. What is it going to do to prevent ourselves from actually crossing the line? Well, we got to get back to go ahead and changing the midterms. That means Democrats voting as Republicans. That means making sure there's no more government bailouts. That means ensuring that businesses are made whole by not being shut down, making sure that they don't have onerous taxes to pay. I think that's the biggest thing. How much money are they going to be expected to go ahead and foot the bill for? during the time of this, you know, reduction, when you have businesses and the people who support them and patronize them, not having quite the number of people, customers, uh, et cetera, from going in and out of their businesses. Like these are the important things that we have to actually consider. It's more important now for you to place your money in with, with the right people who are going to go ahead and recirculate that money to the right local economy. Local is going to matter again. It's just absolutely going to matter. Can you buy afford to buy from Amazon and big box store, uh, stores anymore? You won't. You won't. You have to have that money recirculated amongst your own economy. Restaurants, you're going to have to do whatever you possibly can to keep them open. Okay, because once they're shuttered, they go away forever. We have found that out already. Okay, and restaurants, they've got to do figure out a way to do more with less. They got to keep the doors open. They got to do what they possibly can to go ahead and make sure that people have new offerings, but at the very same time, they got to find value there. Everyone's got to work harder. They've got to do more. They got to go the extra mile. That's what has to happen. Go back to the late 1920s and the thirties. What were people doing? Okay. Customer service was job one, number one. Quality of product was job one, number one. That's what they did. They provided a superior product at a good value. Nobody was getting over on anybody else. We don't have that type of money any longer. It's over. Five fifty fifty five hundred. Call here in the queue. Go ahead. Good afternoon, gentlemen. This reminds me a whole lot of the late nineteen seventies under the Carter administration. Yes, it does. Uh, and the dictionary days you may have never have sounded better. Boy, that, that is that Thank voice. Yeah, the clarity. What's what's going on? You did you uh, you bolster your nu nutritional content with a little memory vitalizer? What's what's going on? Well, that would have been a good idea. However, I had to upgrade my phone from a G three to a G four, and if I have to go G five, I might have a microwave brain. Oh, that, that'll uh, do it. Good. And maybe maybe that's <laughs> it. We're finally hearing the real Dave in the Kiva. Go ahead. All right. Uh, this reminds me of late 70s under the Carter administration. We were paying $25 a pound for ground beef. And within six months, it was a buck and a quarter a pound. We ended up changing from ground beef to ground turkey. Odd even days at the gas station. Personalized license plates was pretty much any day. 
but the line was still at least 100 cars long. And my mode of transportation was a bicycle. Even though Coast Highway was full of people trying to get to and from work, I could get there before they could. But they were always blocked up on the highway. And there was the advent or the, in what would you call it, widespread use of locking gas caps and the coil springs. I remember that. You know what? Uh, I actually forgot about that. You're absolutely right. People were, there was a key so that people could actually open up their gas caps. And believe it or not, just today, as I was parking my vehicle, I'm like, my gas cap is open. I filled up with $90 worth of gas. Okay. And I'm like, uh, somebody could come and take that uh, dictionary, Dave. That's that's awesome. Oh, yes. I've, I had the issue when I lived in San Bernardino, California, where I filled up the truck with full tank, came out the next morning, turned the key on. Guess what? There was barely a drop inside that tank. I'm scratching my head going, okay, uh, oh, right. We got a tweaker living next door. And when I put a logging gas cap on that thing, Oh, I could hear that guy screaming and yelling and being all kinds of PO'd in the middle of the night. And I was like, <laughs> sucks to be him. Now he can't go anywhere to be able to deal his drugs. But yeah, the, uh, the 70s, it, it was a difficult time. I mean, there was a whole lot of things we went without. I was the youngest of three, and guess what I got? All the hand-me-downs from my brother and sister. Even the shoes, they were worn out to the point that uh, I had a set of Vans, and I went to my fifth grade class, and the sole fell off. I spent months going to school with just the cover on my foot because basically they said, you ain't got shoes, you ain't coming to school. I was like, oh. So it was it was a rather interesting period, not one to cherish it was like reliving the Great Depression, and my parents lived through it. Yep. Plus, also World War II and all the rationing. The common phrase was "use it up, wear it out, make it do, or do without," and we definitely had to do that. Oh, uh, seems like uh, Dowd might remember a little bit of that. Dowd, uh, do you remember that phrase? Use it up, wear it out, uh, do do without. Uh... That's uh, the philosophy of uh, a libertarian writer, uh, public policy researcher for the last 30 years. The, the, the depression's been my whole life in more ways than one. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you checking in and uh, giving us your commentary and insight uh, on this. I think that's very good. Anything else? Uh, one of the things that we very have quickly. been doing that we started in the last 10 years was stockpiling. Since we know stuff is going to go up in price, Get it? What, store what, what it, could you possibly away. stockpile? Uh, feed corn, uh, pinto beans, any other any other sort of numerous items. Uh, I've got like three years worth of jeans. I picked up two extra sets of boots. Basically, the essentials that you were going to need for say you're going to go to combat or you're going to be out in the winter. Get it now. Because it's going to go up in price. Hmm. I think it's going to go up in price. I don't think that anything's going to go up any more than it's already gone up. 
I think the problem is is your ability to get it regardless of where it goes up in price. I think that's the problem. There's going to be no access to capital. A lot of people's capital is credit. They don't have savings, and I think that's uh, sort of uh, the problem that, that, that exists out there. Yes, pay down your credit. Pay yeah. it off. Pay, pay it off. Pay it, off. pay it off. Just get rid of it at this point because they're going to reduce it no matter what. All right, uh, Dictionary Dave, I appreciate you joining us. Thanks for uh, dumping your old phone, phone plan. Uh, pretty good. He sounds a hell of a lot better than he did, right? Very, very, very good. And, and of course, with you always get your history lesson with Dictionary Dave. And that's the thing, Eddie. We don't seem to learn very well as human beings. If there's one lesson of history, it's that we don't learn the lessons of history. I think that's a famous quote by someone. I mean, uh, Dictionary Dave was alive the last time things took this 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 dark a turn. I was very young the last time. This I mean, this was not centuries ago uh right. and and when, when i i love reading about the 70s because i was so young then i really couldn't experience it as an adult and i have a million books on the 70s and i buy old copies of time and newsweek from ebay in the 70s and you just look at these people with their their the decisions they were making about monetary policy and energy policy and you just think it's so obvious they were wrong you know their assumptions were wrong about so many things we're we're just we're reliving that now. We we thought helicopter money would be fine. We thought just ending fossil fuels will make this wonderful transition, and there won't be any impact of that. Uh, you know, we we thought we could keep spending the entitlement state the way we do. We thought that uh, we, we could be the. <laughs> not the bully of the world in the sense that we're bombing people all over the world, but the bully of the world that we could dictate terms to people. And it turns out a guy over in Russia says, you know, I'm, I've, I've had it with, with you and NATO and the, the global homo, global homogenization of, of the West. And um, these were these are bad people who made bad decisions, and they need to be replaced because the path forward, folks, is not going to look like the path we've been down lately. I like the reference to global homo. Uh, actually, a lot better, but that's me. Uh, 550, 500. Uh, call you in the Kiva. Go ahead. Oh, you're going to segue into me like that, are you? Huh? Oh, are you a homo? Um, I don't think Wait, so. You actually have to think about that? I've turned down a lot. I've turned down a lot of offers over my life. Oh, yeah. so I guess <laughs> homos like you. They, you must be a homo. I'm handsome, dude. I'm handsome. Uh, homos handsome? I haven't seen very many handsome. No, no, homos. no, 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 no. They like. They like handsome. Oh, they like handsome, but aren't themselves handsome. Okay. Uh, uh, anyway, well, I'm, wait, I'm all very you, confused. Is there you, a point you, to your you, call? You must, have, you must have learned math in New Mexico, Eddie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Eddie, one Eddie. plus one is four. Eddie. Right on. All right. Uh, what, what's going on? I, I know you just. You well, I, I, was, I, was there, I was there, but I don't remember it. Oh, uh, oh okay. <laughs> I'm. Wow, I'm trying to hold on to the, the side of the pool before I go into the deep end where it's ten feet plus. So, uh, help me out here. Help me, Rondo. Let's go. The seventies, man. The seventies. Well, um, anyway, all right. Very quickly, what what your 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 reason for your call, sir? The reason is uh, it was on my list to do this anyway, and since you're talking about it, um, how about you using your radio station to oh, help? Oh, here we go. Hey, okay, well, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. So then don't help. Uh, but here's okay, what we you're need right. To I'm not helping at all. You're right. Eddie, I, I'm not I'm, doing a single Eddie, thing. Eddie, Eddie, don't get your feelings hurt, man. It's not about oh, you. Yeah. I'm so just it's saying. not about me, but you want me to use my radio station because it's not about me. Got it. Okay. Right. Okay. Yes, okay, then, okay, then don't. Anyway. Yes, so, don't do yeah. it, Eddie, because you're responsible for what happens because you chose not to do something that you could have done and you could have prevented because of your little I, tiny radio signal at the end of the AM dial, just like I've, 
I have no listeners, no influence, no anything, right? I'm going to start charging you for this therapy, Eddie. Oh, yeah, this is great. All right, you have yeah. five seconds to make your point before the, we move the, on. The, the, po the point is... It, it, it uh, P.O.'s me every time I go to Walmart and drop all those hundreds yeah. when some local Oh, wow, vendor... hundies. Hundies at the Walmart. What time do you do, you do that? I, I walk in and out of there with thousands of dollars of cash in my pocket about 7 p.m. every other Thursday. What? <clears throat> I'm just playing along, dude. I'm just playing along. What I'm trying to tell you... What I'm trying to tell you is this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for locals to sell the things that people are tired of giving their money to the box stores. But it's hard to find people that will go into business and supply the things that we typically get at the box stores. All right. Okay. And those would be what? Well, everything that you need for your everyday, day-to-day -day life. The, the the box stores have put in the little has put the little guy out of business, and I'm willing to pay double what I got to pay at the box stores. I'll pay double to go to a mom and pop to get those same kind of things if they were That's available. Totally irrational. Yeah. That's completely irrational okay. for you to pay right. twice at a local store versus what you pay at a box store. Nobody would do that. I would. But then again, I'm a, no, I'm, a no, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. The other thing is, is they got you by the short hairs, right? Okay. Well, how, how is it that, that they have you by the short hairs? I, I don't it? know because I'm wearing, you know, underoos. I, I, anyway, make your point before I hang up. Because they have a monopoly on money. You want to step in? Uh, uh, I am all for alternative forms of currency, if that's what show, kill, show killer is getting getting at. I agree 100%. Okay. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, that, that's why they're able to jerk you around. If you if you start doing uh, trade in currencies other sure. than okay. the U.S. dollar, then they don't got you by the short hairs anymore. All right. All right. Dave, appreciate the uh, phone call. Smart guy. Uh, today is uh, one of those days where I did not know where he was going. Uh, I have a little secret uh, for, and I'm sure many of our listeners know this, but those of us uh, who have a lot of experience in rural America, mm -hmm. we we do a lot of barter. Uh, say apples for. Uh, some tractor work or somebody's going to come repair your equipment uh, and you, you know, you, you, you supply them, you know, livestock or something or, uh, you know, gravel or something. There, there's a, there's a pretty decent barter economy in rural America that never gets, never gets reported to the IRS, Eddie. And I think uh, mm. one thing that there, that might be put on, uh, what do you call it? The afterburners might be kicked on in terms of the barter economy in America moving yeah. forward. Okay. So that's a bit of an underground economy. Well, ultimately, what we do need is cash for people to buy something that is of value that is at a market price. Barter's never market price. That's the problem. So we're actually talking about uh, when you start engaging in barter of eliminating any sort of markets altogether. Because your four apples that you exchange for whatever you need to go ahead and get isn't going to be the same for the next person that comes in that somebody True. may not like as much, and you'll have to exchange eight apples. So that's not a market price, and there's it's not as efficient as a as a solid currency. Of course no, not. Yeah, it, it definitely is not, and you can get what you want, but you it only so far insofar as people want what it is that you are trying to exchange for them to get you what you want from them. And that's a very complicated economy. Uh, less fluid, wouldn't you say? Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. But, you know, when government screws things up, 
sometimes people have to act on their own. I feel like we should just talk about race and transgender and Second Amendment, the uh, low-hanging fruit at this point, because uh, markets are a bit complicated, shall we say. Um, a lot of people enjoyed our, our program yesterday, Doug. I'm not going to lie. Huh. A lot of feedback, a lot of emotion. A lot of people felt like, what happened to this country? <laughs> Donald Trump, they heard his State of the Union speech. They were very happy about it, and then it was over. Every time you did not defend the president, every single time you went along with what the Democrats want, every time you tried to reach across the aisle or bargain or rationalize a level of loss, you lost. The State of the Union speech from Donald Trump yesterday, I didn't realize how magnificent it was until I realized that we were on the precipice of exactly what we're at today, which is a complete and totally downward spiraling economy he literally told you where for where where we were going to be with joe biden abolish energy yep joe biden will do it donald trump told you they're bringing the immigrants we told you they'd do it take down the economy we told you that the biden would do it and you didn't listen you did not listen you did not care about your own personal economy you wanted to go ahead and put every single thing above that and it was also including places like Fox News. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Fox News. They also uh, jumped in on this. It's insane. Absolutely insane. Now, Dowd, I know you sent this to me, but um, I couldn't help but uh, go down this route because I think we needed to. The uh, transgender report from the Fox News. Report revealing a sharp, this is the focus now, sharp rise in transgender young people in the U.S. Yes, thank you. Glad we got that. But Fox News, what do they do? They feature it. They promote a family who transitioned a five-year-old child into transgenderism. And uh wanted to talk about raising Riley. Remember I told you about the disconnect between Fathers amongst their children, mothers amongst their children. Like, like, like this is what this is what's going on, and then normalizing it in news reports to say that hey, it's okay. This is what we're going to do going forward. Pay attention. This is the brave new world, if you will. Now, this doesn't sound like invasive or aggressive, or we're trying to sell you. It, it actually sounds so incredibly normal. Its impact is in my opinion, much heavier than someone who's trying to do it in your face because they've normalized it. This is where Fox fails. Fox fails by making this thing a reality. It's happening at down the street. Don't you know that so-and-so has been this way since the very beginning? Every single other person you know and other family... It's a normal, normal. Don't you know that this is normal? Just like any other normal, 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 normal. Person. These people could be your neighbors. It's not. Yeah. Rylan Whittington, whose journey of transitioning at age five has been seen by seven million people in a family YouTube video. Mm. Ryan Yenis has a story about that family. That yes, thank you, Dana. Experience can help others. Watch it. Watch, watch. Take a look. If you saw me walking down the street, you wouldn't. 
think anything different. No. 14-year-old Rylan You're right. is a I would typical not think... Southern California typical. Typical Southern. along with mom Hillary, dad Jeff, and sister Brittany. Did just the, just the introduction to that. Let, let, let's, oh, Dana Perino, Fox News, right? Raising Rylan's Southern California transgender teen's journey. Here it is. For those of you who still swear by Fox News, yeah, let, let's start again. A family YouTube video. Brian Yannis has a story about that family that hopes their experience can help others. Watch it. Oh, it's just it's just our experience. This is our experience. We just want it to help other people. It's like going to summer there. camp. It's just another yeah, experience. Everyone's going through this, don't you know? Uh, just down the street, you know? Oh, yeah. That's uh, normal. Uh, that's old hat. We've heard that before. Yeah, everyone's transgender. If you saw me walking down the street, you wouldn't think anything different. No, you're right. I would not think anything different. You're right. And thank you, Fox News, for bringing me this report. Eighteen-year-old Ryland Whittington is a typical Southern California teenager. And the Whittingtons, along with mom Hillary, dad Jeff, and sister Brindley. Oh, an all-American family. There they are. T a typical all-American Southern California family. Here we are. Raising Ryland. This is this is every man. Are a typical family. The only difference, though, in Ryland's eyes, is what this family can mean to the tens of thousands of kids under 18 who identify as transgender. We ah, put our story out whoa. there so people could see that like there's another family out there that. We put this family out there so that we could see that there are other families that are out there who might want to go ahead and adhere to what it is that we are selling. Going through what we're going through or... Oh, going through so much adversity. So much victimization. Did anybody ask you to come out and, you know, decide to go ahead and do this? No, nobody did. You decided to go out and sell it. Family who's proud of who they are. Before Ryland could even speak, he managed to tell his parents that he is a boy. Somehow, before he could even say a word, the man has figured out a way to communicate that somehow, in some way, that he is not who you think he is. Did you hear that right? Am I really listening to this? family who's proud of who they are before Ryland could even speak before he could even speak before the man could utter a word a man could utter a word before he could even speak Ryland decided to go ahead and go down this journey managed to tell his parents that he is a boy how did he tell his parents he was a boy before he could even speak hey I know you've been changing my diapers. I know I only have a vagina. And I know that I don't have a penis. But somehow, I'm going to tell you and convince my older, well-developed parents that I actually have a penis. Just see, it, it wasn't him trying to be a brat. It was, like, painful. It was oh. really painful for him to have to wear feminine clothing and... and it was really painful. Yes, somehow I had a vagina, but I was wearing feminine clothing, but I didn't feel feminine. 
constantly telling him that you're a girl. And unlike some trans kids, when Ryland came out at age five, a few years later, he had Wait, <laughs> came out at five. Came out at five. I'm having my big party. Just letting you kids know. Hey, let my parents know. Hey, I just want to let you know I'm serious this time. I'm coming out at five years of age. Uh, I'm not the girl that you think I am. I know I need boys clothes. I need it. Now, I know that I made all the major life decisions for the rest of my life at age five because I, I was really solid thinking back then. Do we like uh, question whether or not anybody could actually be a guardian or parent? Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to leave the house. They don't want to acknowledge that I'm, uh, you know, I'm actually a boy when I was born a girl. Uh, if they're not going to acknowledge that, I'm ready for I'm, someone adopt me. Who's ready for some kid who thinks that he's a boy? When he's in fact a girl. There was some pushback from us in yeah. trying to understand this. Oh, we, yeah. here it is. The, uh, the great rich white family from Southern California is uh, trying to rationalize the difficulty that the rest of the world had with their transition to transgenderism. He had the full support of his parents. Oh, love, love. So much love. All that love that comes in. Oh, the full support. Thank you, dad, mom. You look like rich white Republicans from Southern California. You might have crazy, weird sex with each other, and they may have led to some of the differences that uh, we have amongst our own family. But I have chosen, despite the fact that I'm a female, to be male. There was some pushback from us in yeah. trying to understand this. We were confused like most people are. Yeah, I'm, I'm so confused, and I'm listening to your report. We continue to be very confused. I don't even know why I have to pay attention to anything. You could have kept your confusion within your family, but instead you decided to spread it out to the rest of the world. He thought that gender and sexuality were the same thing. Oh, no. Thank you for clearing that up. Gender and sexuality are not the same thing, in fact, folks. Don't you know? You Are you not aware of this? Let me help you. This is the 21st century where gender and sexuality are not the same thing. It took us a while to figure out that those two things are different and that children actually do. What took you a while? Why do you expect me, based upon your report, to just automatically accept the things that you're pressing upon me that apparently took you a while to actually accept? That some sub-five-year-old told you that, hey, you needed to go ahead and accept right out of the box before he could, quote-unquote, even communicate. Their gender identity, very young. Some of them, not all. I, I like the fact you're finally being honest. Calling it gender identity sounds to me as if you're actually acknowledging the reality of what's happening here, but we'll skip over that. But they listened to Rylan and to Hillary's. Thank God somebody listened to a five-year-old talk about what he thought he wasn't. I've got a vagina, but I feel like a man. I don't know how, but you need to accept it. If not, I will leave and formally ask for an adoption. Conservative faith. For me, it's just a deep spirit. This is, this is the deepest, darkest part. The conservative faith. Yeah. Here it is, Dowd. Child the, abuse. Yeah, here is the, the mix. They're deep conservative. Fox News pitching this. They're deep conservative faith. For those of you who don't understand why we have a problem with this, uh, we're telling you why there's a huge problem with this. To Ryland and to Hillary's conservative faith. For me, it's just a deep spiritual belief that mm. you believe in God and he, you know, created us the way he wanted us. Well, then, yes, he created Ryland just the way he is. And 
They listened to families. They met in support groups. There was a father who was sitting across the table. He says, you have no idea how lucky you are to be here, which kind of took me back. I didn't at that point consider myself lucky to be there. And he said, you know, our- Yeah, until your wife decided she wasn't going to give you sex unless you accepted Ryland for the fact that he decided he wanted to be a female and females are more powerful than males, right? Is that right? Is that is that what really happened? Is that what really is going on? Huh? You couldn't stand up for yourself as a man? Our child had displayed this gender dysphoria or this gender misalignment at, at, at the same age that Ryland has. And we didn't listen and we pushed back. That pushback led that child to turn to self-harm as a teenager, which 60% of trans and non-binary kids engage in, according to the Trevor Project. More than 50% consider suicide. That for me was the turning point. I didn't want to That's see- That's it, don't kill yourself, son. You can be whatever you want to be. If you want to be a Superman, if you want to be a girl, if you want to be whatever you want to be, you can be it. Don't worry. I don't. I'm. I am relinquishing my role as a father, as a strong male figure in your life, and you just get to choose whatever you want. I'd rather have a living son than a dead daughter. Oh, <laughs> there's the kick. Nice manipulation there. Oh, that's, I'd rather have a living son than a dead daughter. You just do what you you do you, and you can stay alive. There it is. That's that, that's the way. That if we had pushed back and done what a lot of parents do. I don't think that we would have a lot of parents. You know what a lot of parents do? They judge and they try to groom and I don't know. It's no judging. To, yeah, force, no judging. Forces gender roles amongst their own kids. Like they have a kid, they come home with a birth certificate and they think like, hey, we had a boy. We had a gender reveal party. We had a boy. But all of a sudden it came out and the gender reveal party, even that lied to us. No longer are we in support of gender reveal parties. We had a girl. Either one of the kids that you see before you here today. Allowing him to, to live authentically and true to himself and <laughs> be who he really feels like he is. Just the fact that the word authentic is used at anywhere at any point in this report is is comical. Is when you get to know Ryland, you see just how proud and confident he is of himself. Oh yeah. Ryland's story got international. How, how completely and totally dysphoric he is now because you couldn't affirm what he was actually born has in. since written a book called Raising Ryland. There it is. I never thought that I would be known for this, like, as well as I am, but really it's just a small part of who I am. Mm. It's just just a, such a small part, you know, the male, female part. It's, you know, not knowing exactly what I am, but deciding what I am going to be. It's such a small part of, of, of what we are, except we never stopped talking about it. <laughs> it is so funny that we did not need to get on Fox News to actually discuss this. It's a, it's a really small part. I never knew that I was going to be known as this, but uh, apparently anything that'll get attention. Hey. Like, it's fine. He moves on in his life, and he's just... Uh, the sister is really... Like, his sister doesn't have a sister. His sister has decided it has a brother because Ryland has decided he is no longer a sister. He's a brother. They had two girls on their birth certificate, but suddenly Ryland is no longer a sister. He's a brother. And she has to be okay with it. Otherwise, she's not going to get an allowance. And uh, she's not going to be woke enough to go ahead and uh, be cool with the cool crowds out in Southern California. I think everything we've been through, he's just, like, learned to do that, and he's... Really good at it. I can't do that. The Whittingtons believe sharing their story wow. could make a lasting difference in another child's yes, life. Yes, it can. They learned from that support. There they are. Nearly a decade ago. I'm just here to make the ride smoother for others. Yes, thank we you. We might be struggling Island. right now, but we believe in you.
his family. We might not know you. We might not mm -hmm. know where you live, but, you know, we understand you and we believe in you. Thank you. What extraordinary courage. Courage. Ryland, his sister, Brinley. Yes, Brinley and Ryland. Courage. Thank you, and Brian Yenna. It's not easy, particularly at Not time. easy. When, tra when transgender issues have been politicized. Oh, so politicized. You're right. Who politicized them? I don't know. Let's go to the, uh, the news with, uh, with their story about, you know, whether or not they had, a, a, you know, this, that, or the other. Uh, no, I, I think there it is. Rylan Whittington and the family reflect on their, quote-unquote, transition, letting you know that the inevitably it is going to be the white people who are going to lead the way to wokeism. No, it's not black. It's not... Um, Native Americans and certainly not Hispanics. It is going to be white families that will inevitably go ahead and go down this. Good night, folks. Only good news tomorrow. There you go. I appreciate uh, <laughs> nothing, but, uh, nothing, nothing but the best. Uh, uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe directly at rockoftalk.chat. That's rockoftalk.chat. Uh, I don't even know what to say about this. Is there anything to say? Unbelievable. Let's, I guess we should listen to the rest of this. This family hopes their story will lead to more understanding, more acceptance, and ultimately more love. Yes, Dana. Ryan, yeah, so much love. Us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dana. Very interesting. Thanks. Story. Uh, yeah, very interesting. Uh, Eddie had to explain what happens when we print extra money. CNM students, uh, two CNM students, the last few years, ages between eighteen and twenty-three. Their thinking was more money. And I explained to them as a very rare automobile, there's only three in existence and they're worth three and a half million dollars. Then all of a sudden somebody finds 20 more of the same car in a barn. The price of the original assembly drops tremendously and students go, okay, the dollar's only worth 60 cents. Okay, there you go. Eddie, you know what we need to do as far as one true confused and what sex they are. We need to find out how they change the sex on a sheet because they can do that. Why don't they just say, why don't they just save or say that you are, anyway, I don't know what that is. All right. uh, Eddie, heard a term on this biotopic. They're called luxury beliefs of the hyper-liberal wealthy. They are so bored with themselves, so evil, so ultimately morally confused. Um, can we chat while the show is on like YouTube? No, we don't do that. Uh, live chat during a you show? Nope, nope. Are these parents on drugs? Uh, almost certainly. I am a homo sapien. That is on Fox Nation. No, it was on Fox News. Actually on Fox News. There's been a massive boycott of Fox News because of that. Eddie, I work in the financial broker world. I would like to recommend an excellent interview with Luke Groman. Decline of the dollar on the Tucker Carlson uh, today. It is wonderful explanation of the dollar as a reserve currency. It's the everything level. Four months ago, Jim Cramer was saying it's a great buying opportunity. Talk on that, Jim Cramer. There you go. Uh, here we go. Don Gibb, American actor. Oh, look at that. Ogre. Ogre, the guy on Revenge of the Nerds, was actually went to the University of New Mexico. 67 years of age. Best known for his roles as the hulking, dim-witted fraternity brother, Ogre, in several installments of the Revenge of the Nerds film series. There you go. He married his uh, wife, Jackie Bauer in 81, one child, University of San Diego and the University of New Mexico. Nerds! Ogre. There he is. UNM. 
As the song goes, the first cut is the deepest. I wish Rudy and his family peace with their tears this Father's Day without their sweet dad. Peace, love, and be with you, Rudy. So Rudy Grande condolences. We'll be praying for him and his family. Good to hear his voice. Thank you. Jason checks in. Great song. Michael, my condolences to Rudy. I love your heart, brother. God bless us all. Let's remember your father. Murder Mike. Oh, he's so excited about uh, Rudy. He says, hi, Eddie and Rudy. Good to hear him again. Condolences on the passing of his dad. Good thoughts and prayers always. See you tomorrow around 5 p.m. Yes, we'll have uh, him back. I'm so happy to hear Rudy. He is happiness in a jar and such a blessing. And finally, congrats, Dowd and Eddie, on choosing OMAD. I lost 100 pounds in one year eating high-protein keto and OMAD. I've kept the weight off for two years now. Don't forget to also lift heavy, as I often do. We appreciate everybody uh, joining in here in the Kiva on this uh, beautiful Wednesday afternoon right here on AM600 KIVA, abq.fm, rockoftalk.com. That's rockoftalk.com. Back early, bright and early tomorrow, 4 p.m., right here in the Kiva. As always, download our app at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com.